This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app of participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that was running around Brighton with our willies hanging out. Uh, obviously not literally, it was a, that's a metaphor for those of the uh, less educated disposition. Anyway, at last, Chelsea rediscovered their shooting boots as Brighton were dispatched 4-0 on Saturday. Eden Hazard and William were superb, scoring sumptuous goals and seemingly tearing apart Brighton at will. Even Michi Batshuayi didn't look like a spare prick at a wedding. We even had a kamikaze cameo from Big Willie Caballero and a rare goal from Victor Moses to entertain us. There we go. Anyway, the question still remains. Was Conte's team selection and formation a case of necessity being the mother of invention, or was he listening to last week's Chelsea fancast, which made the case for a four-man midfield and William and Hazard playing behind the striker? I know what I'd like to believe, but maybe you should decide. Anyway, uh, the Chelsea fancast number 411, entitled tonight, Big Willy Style, with a great big fat, a great big fat exclamation mark. He says, for added emphasis. Uh, now, on this uh, night of all nights, a Monday night, of course, uh, time for the fan cast, time for my guests, the uh, wonderful, as always, uh, Jonathan Kidd. Thank you. It's lovely to be on the show with such great company. It's uh, each week I am uh, I'm honoured. I'm honoured. I don't know how to say it any other, any other more than that. Yeah. I'm humble, mate. Ever so humble. That's it. It's humble. Very That's, right the heap. Was, That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, um, I'm humbleized. Yep. Yeah. Numberlies as opposed to marmalized. Um Last week was a bit man- manic. I think it, it went down well. People did say they liked it. But uh, probably the only two people on the planet that we ever get on the show together who can upstage me and Jonathan are probably Tony and Alex. You know, I needed to have a lie down after last week. But uh, as Jonathan pointed out, tonight we have uh, a more sober 
and more erudite, possibly, uh, uh, you know, guests on the show because we've got. Actually, I was saying to you before before we went on air, J.K. I, I haven't I haven't actually spoken to Clayton for what seems like ages, and it's, it's really lovely to have him on the show tonight. Clayton, how are you? Very well, thank you very much for asking me. Yeah, no, it's been a long time. It's been a funny old season for me in terms of sort of going to the stool and the cock. I, I have been um, remiss. It just hasn't worked out, which is a great shame. But this, uh, this gives me a lovely opportunity to speak to not only you, but your other esteemed guests and the wonderful listeners. Well, indeed, of whom there are many. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, and, of course, last but by no means least, uh, the last time, well, I, I haven't spoken to Joe uh, Joe Tweeds, Joe Tweedy, or we'll just call him Joe because he changes his his, his uh, second name so many times on Twitter. I can't keep up. But the last time uh, I'd spoken to Joe, he hadn't actually written the wonderful, wonderful, very long but wonderful article he wrote uh, about transfers and 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 players. I mean, it just blows my mind reading your stuff, Joe. It's far too intelligent for me. Joe, it's great to have you on the show again. How are you? Yeah, thanks, JJ. Glad to be on as always, and uh, yeah, doing well. Thank you. And how long did it take you to write that article? Six weeks with reading and research. I know that sounds quite extensive, <laughs> but um, it's, it's, it's the beauty of not having to uh, produce articles on a weekly basis. It lets I, I can find something that I'm interested in and and, and read around it and, and, and talk to yeah. people within the game and, and get some opinions. Yeah, so probably about six weeks. <laughs> Bloody hell, mate. Well, there you go. That's why they're so long. Tell me about it. I do three a week. That's, and that's hard work anyway there you go um obviously uh you know with clayton's uh wonderful wisdom and jonathan's uh, wit and humor my bossiness uh thankfully we've got joe to uh, provide the intelligence on the show tonight and, I, and actually I, I have written the script with joe in mind as he will know as uh, as he as he has read it but uh, for you lot out there who haven't i can tell you what's on tonight because uh, first up we're going to ask um was Conte, as I said earlier on in the, in, in the intro, really, was Conte's team selection and formation a case of necessity being the mother of invention? And more important, will he continue to use it going forward? Uh, in part two, we ask, is Big Willie Caballero the reincarnation of Peter Barotta? <laughs> uh, I, I think he might be, yes. Uh, and, 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 and. Well, of course, you know, because we've got Clayton, who is Goalie59 on Twitter, so I'll, I'll be interested to hear what he has to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, does does Mitchie Batshuayi have a future at Chelsea? Uh I thought he put in a decent performance on Saturday, but of course there's all sorts of rumours flooding in about him going out on loan and us getting very big lumps, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, And in fact, as I said, we're going to talk about why Chelsea are in the market for big lumps of strikers, and which also, this is an interesting thing, this cropped up as a bit of a Twitter convo between uh, me, Tony Glover, and the wonderful Ken Barkway, uh, as to which wing-backs should we perhaps be after, it being that we are somewhat uh, deficient in wing-back backup. Now, part three... We're going we're gonna to look back at the gritty win against the mighty Norwich on penalties in the FA Cup replay last week. Boy, did the boys do good. Not. Uh, and ahead of the uh, Carabao uh, Cup semi-final second leg against Arsenal on Wednesday, we're going to look at that. And, of course, the fourth round FA Cup tie against Newcastle on Sunday, conveniently timed at 1.30 on a Sunday afternoon for all of you people travelling from Oop North. Uh, part four, we've got some... We've re- Well, we had more emails that came in today, actually. We've got some great ones from Jonathan... Uh, for, for Jonathan, not from Jonathan. That would be giving the game away, wouldn't it, JK? Oh, it's all true. Jonathan writes them all. No, not true at all. Um, anyway, he's got one to read out on Eden Hazard, going to Real Madrid, the booing at the bridge, uh, how one lad fell uh, from Utah fell in love with Chelsea, and there are a couple of other bonus ones if we get uh, get time to do that. So let's hope we do. Now, 
Do not forget that, of course, uh, you can listen to this show live every Monday at 7 o'clock. Live every Monday, 7 o'clock. Uh, all you have to do is go to Mixler, which you can find at mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. And if you do so, you will join lots and lots of lovely people. We've got loads of people in there. Many of them come here every week. They must be mad. But we love them all. We love them all. Uh, too many to name by name. Um, hopefully we will refer to them during the show. But what they do is that they, they listen intently to every word we say. And then they talk to each other on the chat page. And actually, sometimes they come out with some really clever stuff, which I, I, I repeat and claim as my own on the show, because that's the privilege of being the presenter. Uh, of course, you can always tweet us, at Chelsea Fancast, any time you like, and sometimes you might even get a reply, so there you go. Now, after this short break, we are going to be talking all about uh, the Brighton match. Well, 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 what an absolute joy. I have to say, it was an absolute joy watching that. I mean, I know it was a bit hairy at the back, but, uh, I, you know, it was a wonderfully entertaining match. I really, really enjoyed it. It's just what the doctor ordered after those miserable draws we've been having recently. But um, really, in this part, I, I just want to kind of go into... I mean, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I know that uh, I kind of tried to take take uh, credit for all of this on the show from last week but uh, clearly you know Conte doesn't listen to us if he does he's mad but um, that whole idea of having four in the midfield and not five um, you know and, and having Wiz- William and Hazard behind Batch UI I, I kind of get the feeling and, and wrote an article about this uh, I think sometime this week but anyway I kind of have the feeling that had uh, you know we not had the six players out although Conte unfortunately forgot that one of them was Cahill Bless him heart, bless his heart. Uh, but I think particularly not having Pedro and Chesk available perhaps dictated the 3-4-2-1 um, because really his only option was to play Bakayoko next to Kante and without Pedro he couldn't play the false number nine so he had to play Batshuayi. But my God, he had the sense, as we were saying last week, to to put William and Hazard together. And for me, that made the, the difference. I mean, the, we had such pace going forward. It was one-touch touch passing. It was devastating. But, um, Jonathan, I'm going to come to you first. You know, do you, do you think it was a bit of a necessity being the mother of invention? Do you think he would have gone 3-5-2 three, five, uh, three, five, had, had that not been the case? I don't, uh, I don't know. He, he seems to have a go away, doesn't he? I, I will cite the Huddersfield game as an example. Um uh, when he went for it from the beginning with William and Pedro, and they just completely blew them away from the beginning. So uh, um, I'm 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 not sure. I mean, it was phenomenal to watch, wasn't it? I mean, uh, Hazard was, mm. was absolutely remarkable, remarkable performance. Um, and William was wasn't far away. And uh, um, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, um, you, you just wonder whether he thought whether he's looked. He must. He obviously looks at the opposition, doesn't he? And he makes a decision based on previous results and what we can do to them. And I think he, he, you would hope that he thinks, right, we'll just intimidate them with pace. 
um, and skill because they are we, we must appreciate that they are a wonderfully skillful side when it when it's working and uh, some of these um, uh, you know the championship and just out of the championship teams are are journeymen in comparison and uh, um, you know and have done well to get into the, the the Premier League and need to be blown away by us because we are so much better than them. This is why it depresses me when we play against Norwich and don't play and blow them away. Um, but uh, it looks like it, doesn't it, that he was he was forced to play that way. But uh, um, it made Batshuayi um, look a completely different player. I mean, he still occasionally wanders about in his diver's boots. But uh, um, no, I, I, I was, um, it was it was wonderfully impressive. So, you know, is this, I mean, is, is this the way forward now? Is it going to be, is, well, does he think he's going to play? Well, it'll all change, won't it, when, when Morata's back? It'll all well, change it, when, it'll uh, be, when yeah. everybody else is available. Yeah, but here, here's the thing, Jonathan. I, I hope, well, you know, I hope it doesn't. And I think, but the thing is, I think, I mean, Joe, no doubt, will have a lot to say about this in a minute. But in a sense, playing the two uh, behind the striker, which I think makes a huge difference, whether it's Morata or... Batshuayi because you know Morata I don't think is I don't think his game is to hold the ball up as a lone striker no no no, no. He, because he, 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 hang on hang on yeah. just let me just let me, just let me yeah, finish yeah, yeah. you know be, you know he, I don't think it's his game to hold the ball up as a lone striker because he falls over the minute anyone gets near him and I don't think Batshuayi's game is to hold the ball up as a lone striker because you know he, he can trap it further than I can kick it so actually <laughs> I think I think you need you know William and Hazard or Pedro and, and Hazard playing if you like as two number 10s behind the striker because it's you know it gives us far more options and it gives some you know somebody else somebody to, for hazard to pass to you know instead of pass UI if you like but the trouble is he can't do that unless he he, he plays four in midfield so yeah. you know Bakayoko plus Kante or drink water plus Kante or whatever so you know the minute he changes one he has to change the other and that's the only thing that really worries me about about him doing it going forward, although I sincerely hope he does because it it certainly worked against Brighton. Although of course we should recognise, you know, we're not idiots that you know when you play against different teams, you play horses for courses, and of course I can see him changing for that. But it was really encouraging. I mean that that that, that you know that all every single one of those goals was stunning, wasn't it? Phenomenal. I, I, you know, I'll say that word again. It, it was completely brilliant. Phenomenal, phenomenal. phenomenal. No, but I, I yes, I, I worry that you know we've talked about this before that the. Uh, the five in midfield, the three-five-two, is his default, and uh, and he wants to carry on playing that way because he feels safer that way. But it always puts us on the back foot to me. And when we've got such wonderful players, I mean, let's face it, William is wonderful. He's when he's on song, he's he's one of the best players in the division. And uh, the two of them together were 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 absolutely out of this world. But you know, uh, it, they may be nullified easily by a by a better tactical team than Brighton I, I'm you know this is an area where I'm not um, I'm not uh, educated enough about it you know I, I would I defer to to others in the in the group today about uh, well, know, should what, we what should we defer teams. to Joe I think we should, should we defer, defer to Joe, Joe on all things time. Think, it's, it's that time isn't it it's that hint, time I was hinting at that actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tell, tell us how it works Joe we, we've come up with our dream scenario now tell us why it won't work or will I don't mind either way I mean, I think the the difference between the the three five two and the three four three is that you actually you're encouraging the team to play with width, and I think that the main thing that you've seen, particularly against the Brighton game, is is you have William and and, and Hazard are both very comfortable playing wide, and but it, you're kind of uh, I, I think the 
Yeah, it's sort of there's kind of a more inherent freedom in in, in the sort of team. It's less structured, less rigid. The, the the players seem like they are more kind of in tune with with sort of the movements of each other. And I think that for me was was the main difference. Is is when we play the three central midfielders, they are effectively just three in most cases three very defensive minded players. Or you're trying to sort of pigeonhole Cesc Fabregas into the midfield somehow. Um, you know, I think actually probably one of the biggest differences was was how well Bakayoko played. Um, yes, you know, absolutely. Not saying that by any stretch of imagination that, that this is the complete article, but you know, you're now playing a player who uh, you know was was let's be honest, he was an incredible player for Monaco last season. But you're putting him in in a two-man midfield, which he's he's very comfortable with. And you know, I think Kante plus one should be the way that we look at it going forward. But you know, I think Bakayoko played a lot better. I think, and the other interesting thing is, and I don't really put too much uh, stock into these sort of average position charts, but you'll notice if you compare the sort of three-five-two and the three-four-three that the team's almost ten yards further forward in in every position. Yeah, it's almost like it, it encourages us to be on the front foot, um, yeah. you know, just by having more attack attack-minded players going forward. Um, you know, you have. I think as Jonathan said, you've got you've got William and, and, and Eden who have the ability to play as number tens, uh, equally play out wide. But it just seemed to be that the entire team, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm kind of looking at Hazard, and I don't know if you saw the Hazard and William kind of sort of cheeky interview after the game where they were talking about how they enjoy playing, you know, in the same team as mm. each other. And I think Hazard made a sort of tongue-in-cheek comment about Conte not particularly liking that. But um, you know, I, I think that it's it's a it's a formation that promotes freedom. I think it promotes uh, far more fluid passing and. I think that, again, you know, you can look at the difference in certain players, you know, Bakayoko, but also Batshuayi. You know, I think I, I tweeted that you know, he's, he's far from being the, the, the complete player, but he looked uh, an, an almost entirely different prospect when he was not asked to be a, be a target man when he dropped deeper. And I think his involvement in Williams' goal was exceptional. And, you know, he still needs to work on his movement and where to run and where to drag people out and things like that. But, you know, I think it was uh, a less kind of a, a direct team. And I think we, we kind of played more to the... The style of the players that we had available so yeah you know i think there's uh, for me personally i think three five two i would use it in bigger away games i would use it against city i would use it against barcelona you know i think it's a very solid formation that we're but we're very good at being compacting you know in some cases when we played it it's just really a case of we've had very bad finishing you know we haven't finished uh, some pretty good chances but against teams that really aren't in that kind of caliber i mean we should just go at teams with, with this three four three formation Moses give him the give him the rain to go forward, give Alonso the rain to go forward, and just let Kante and Bakayoko screen the midfield, or Kante and Drinkwater, or, or whoever um, screen at midfield. Um, yeah, Eden Eden plus William, Eden plus Pedro gives us a chance to rotate some players, and hopefully uh, Morata will, will discover his, his scoring boots once again, um, and, and can potentially. Well, I, I, I think he might. I, I think he might, Joe, because I think as, as I said, I think you're having those two, you know, having William and Hazard behind the striker. <laughs> actually is really helpful for that striker because I think it improves the interplay. Because one of the things that I've noticed recently, Clayton, and we said it on the show last week, in fact, is that, you know, Hazard uh, slightly behind one striker, it, it, it's easy to isolate him and outnumber him. And he doesn't have the outlet that he does when he's got William buzzing around. And actually, you know, I'd like to pick up on what Joe said about Bakayoko and Batshuayi because they're two players that have had a a real coating off from a lot of so-called supporters recently. I mean, actually, it doesn't matter. You know, we're all allowed to make a judgment. We've done the same on here. Um, but talking about Bakayoko first, uh, Clayton, I, you know, I think he did look a lot more comfortable in a two because he, he kind of know, knew that Kante was going to hold so he could roam forward when he wanted to and then come and defend when he needed to. And I think he looked lot, a lot more comfortable doing that. But I think Batshuayi, you know, for all of his ills at the moment, uh, again, looked 
a lot more comfortable with those two, William and Hazard, buzzing around him. But the thing that impressed me most about him was the fact that he was making far more intelligent runs into space, which we haven't seen him do, which has infuriated the life out of me about him. But, uh, I mean, even to, to the extent of going the extra mile and lying down in the penalty area to distract the defenders <laughs> so that Hazard could score his goal. Yeah, that was you know, clever, but, I mean, it? you know... I, it was, wasn't it? But those two, those two things, Clayton, I think made a really, really big difference, didn't they? Not not him lying down necessarily, but Bakayoko and, and, and Batshuayi looking much more improved, possibly because of the system. Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's start with Bakayoko. I mean, Bakayoko's taken some serious abuse this year for... And it's just, a, it's one of those things, again, that a player comes from a different league. He's quite young um, and people just expect him to fit in and be brilliant. Well... It doesn't happen like that. None of us know what goes on off the pitch, you know, their their home life, their social life, all the rest of it. There's so much that we don't know. And I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I like the guy. I don't think he's helped himself, to be perfectly honest. But, no. it's, it, you know, playing for Monaco, where they've got three or four tough games a year and the rest is against pub sides... It's not the same as playing in the Premier League where everybody is on you 24-7. The one thing that I have, have said um, before and I think was proved on Saturday is that Bakayoko looks a much better player when Fabregas isn't in the side. Now, whether that's because Fabregas is doing some things that um, Bakayoko likes to do, I don't know. Whether I mean, I, I don't understand when there's three of them in midfield that Bakayoko is rigidly told to stay out on the left or and and it just doesn't work for him in my opinion I, I think he looks slightly yeah. lost I, I know that what he's doing from my perception is that he's actually doing what he's told by the manager and sometimes yeah. you have to think that when players are, are so rigidly controlled as is the case with Antonio is that they lose a bit of something and I think perhaps he's suffered from that so yeah, I mean, I, I thought he played really well. Uh, I'm, I'm really pleased for him. Um, and I think he's just going to get better. Um, as for Batshuayi, I, I feel sorry for Batshuayi. <laughs> big sigh, yeah, mate, no, big I feel, sigh. I feel sorry for him because basically, I think... <laughs> yeah, I do too. You, you mentioned it. He's not a lone striker. You know, mm. he knows where the goal is. Um, I know we're going to talk about that absolute dog's breakfast of a cup tie but he gets one decent ball in the box and he scores because he's there and that's what he does he's a six yard box player he's a poacher he's not anything other than that but you know we've got a really great coach and he's improved so many players and the way they play and all the rest of it yes he had a really good game last Saturday the one thing that still drives me absolutely bonkers well, there's two things actually one is that there was uh, in the first half I don't remember that we had yet another break he had William on one side and he had Hazard on the other side and he caught, took the ball and he took the ball. And by the time he decided what he was going to do with it, it was too late. He lost it. Mm. His decision-making is not very good. And I don't know how we changed that. And the other thing is, which I think is, is just out of sheer desperation, is his, his decision to shoot when he should be laying it off or vice versa. This, this desperation to prove himself to score. He doesn't need to score. You know, if the rest of the team are scoring, he doesn't need to. But I think the way he's been treated and the fact that obviously the manager doesn't like him, every time he gets on that pitch, he's just desperate to score because he thinks that's what the manager wants. But I don't think it is because his goals to game ratio is fantastic. And still, Antonio only played him 
because there was no option. If Pedro would have been fit, he wouldn't have played on well, Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, which is kind of where I started really with this, and I, and I I do have a suspicion, you know, that that's what Conte would have done. I have to say though, Clayton, you know, Conte was quite magnanimous about uh, Batshuayi after the game in the presser and and said that you know he'd played really really well, he didn't score, but it's okay because there are, there are other things about being a striker than just scoring, and and I thought that was I mean actually not not unusual for Conte. I think he's he's quite often very honest in his post match pressers, and I think he was there. And and I think he was right to give give him some praise, you know. It's, 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 the reality is about Batshuayi is he's very frustrating for for all of us, largely I think because we've got one. I mean, actually, to be really honest, I think both of our strikers are relatively inexperienced. But he is raw, and in a sense, and I know it sounds like an odd thing to say, but he's he is learning the game. If you see a modicum of improvement from a player over the season. Uh, in that in that situation, then I think fair enough. And you know, like I said, I think what impressed me m- much more about Batshuayi on Saturday was his willingness to make diagonal runs, create space for you know Hazard and William to run into with devastating effect. And again, that goes back to what I'm saying about that's for me the advantage of playing you know these two number tens, if you like, behind the striker. You know, it just gives you more options, but. You know, going back to what what Joe and, and Jonathan were saying, I just thought the fluidity of our play was so much more improved, and, and just what we've been saying. Um, I think we, we're going to move on because there's so much more to get into, and, and I can't I can't wait to get into the part two because I've got to talk about Willie Caballero. What a, what a man! A, a, a legend was born on Saturday. I really do believe that. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna we're gonna ask after the break: uh, Is Big Willie Caballero? The reincarnation of probably the maddest goalkeeper I've ever seen play, which is Peter Barotta. And does Michi Batshuayi have a future at Chelsea with all the rumours that are going on about new strikers? And uh, why, in fact, are we in the market for, apparently, uh, you know, according to Sky, and they never lie, uh, why are we in the market for big lumps of strikers? And and more intelligently, we're going to have a discussion about, uh, you know, with the, the fact that we've got a lack of cover for the wing-backs, who, in fact, should we be going after? Uh, if not in this market, then the one in the summer. We will speak to you very shortly. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. All right, welcome back. I'm Stamford Chidge. And of course, you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. It's Monday night, and uh, I have with me, as ever, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> Lovely. And uh, I also have the wonderful Clayton Beerman. Hello. And last, but by no means least, the erudite and vastly intelligent Mr. Joe Tweeds. Evening, Kitch. So there you go. Uh, very calm and well behaved tonight. God, very different from last week. Uh, right. Um, over and above, uh, and I mean, you know, it's amazing that we didn't really talk about how wonderful the goals were. Hopefully we, we will in this part too, because I think they deserve a mention. But over and above a 4-0 uh, win, which is lovely. Over and above uh, some superb uh, attacking play. Um, it was it was a bit dodgy at the back. I think actually, you know, I did tweet uh, when we were 2-0 up 
we're going to need a third and possibly a fourth goal before I can rest easy. Because, you know, I mean, I know somebody mentioned on Mixer, I think it might have been Mr. Kurt actually saying, you know, it's only Brighton. Yeah, but it may have only been Brighton, Kurt, but they actually, they were in the game until we put that third goal away. Uh, and they were causing us a few problems. We did look weirdly um, vulnerable at the back. And I say weirdly because... You know, given that, okay, Courtois was out, but, you know, basically you had Rudiger, Christensen and uh, Aspilicueta as our back three. And most people, most supporters I know, would say that that would be their preferred back three. So it was a bit odd. But anyway, we had Big Willie, Big Willie Caballero at the back. And in the space of about 10 minutes, he, he flapped and punched. He nearly gave away a penalty. He punched again and flapped, and then he did a, a world-class save from a header. I mean, the guy's a loony, isn't he? And, I mean, his celebration, his goal, Jonathan, I mean, you know, when I, Clayton, I know I can't wait. Actually, Jonathan, if you mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Clayton about this first because I know he's such a fan of goalkeepers. No I know he's going to be, be absolutely loving talking about this. There was a stage in there, and I did actually think, God, it's like Peter Barotta reincarnated, uh, Clayton. He's nuts, isn't he? Um... That's one word. Um, <laughs> that's not the word I'd use. Um, listen, I, I'm, I'm about to take a Michael Holding run-up. Everybody that I know was quite pleased that we signed him in the summer. I was horrified. I have seen him play before, and I, wanna, I, I just want to say he's a Chelsea player. I don't want to, you know... I, I, I don't like slagging off our own players, so I'm just going to be very careful and considerate with what I say with him. OK, the positive. He is a brilliant shot stopper. There is no doubt about that. The save that he made, he made two great saves. The first save was an outstanding save. Absolutely yeah. brilliant save. I'm not sure Thibaut would have done that. Thibaut's a bit taller. He might have been... I might be doing T-bone an injustice, but it was it was a fantastic. It had, had gone the wrong way, Clayton. Maybe, maybe, but and the save that he made in the second half wasn't as good, but it was still a vital save. Two 0 up, two one, whatever. Yeah. He saved the penalty last Wednesday, and he's 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 known for being a great penalty saver. That's it. That is it. I'm afraid there is nothing else. Ball comes into the box. Nah. You know, and I think, and I know that when defences play with a goalkeeper, a defence reacts to the goalkeeper. And I, I don't know this, um, but I think part of the reason we were such a mess at the back is because they had no confidence in him. Now I might be a hundred percent wrong. I don't know, but I think his decision making is is non-existent. I think he absolutely freaks when the ball comes anywhere near him in the box if it's not a direct shot um the penalty which it was was only caused because of the haphazard way that he went for that ball in the first place you either don't go for that ball or you go for the ball and you catch it catching is obviously not in his book now i know that a, a I know that a lot of goalkeepers now don't catch the ball anymore. And this is obviously the modern way you punch. And that's, you know, you, you watch Thibaut save the ball when, when in years gone by, a keeper would have actually just caught it. He punches it away. He pushes it away. That's what they all do. There, there is no doubt about it. That is how goalkeepers, that's how they, they're trained these days. They don't, 
the risk of catching the ball and not getting it is obviously too much and that's what's trained into them which is absolutely extraordinary because if you look at the gloves they're wearing these days it's bloody difficult to drop anything with those things they really are a huge now um and i, I just i mean i i fear whenever he's playing i really do i don't uh, i know that he 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 does make some great saves but i just don't i think he induces panic which is why the defence looked like it looked. And I'm really sorry, but I don't think he's a good number two. I think he's he's, no, th- he's, you know good, what, he's good in terms of the fact that he'll sit on the bench and he won't moan and he'll get on with it. Um, but I'm really sorry, but I just don't think he's good enough. No, don't apologise, mate. That's how you feel. And I, I think actually it's a very interesting point. You know, I was just thinking while you were saying that about about that the state of panic that, that you know that some goalkeepers can uh, infuse into both the team and the supporters. Do you know what? I mean, forget Peter Barotta for a second, although I do think there are similarities, which I'm going to, you know, talk to Jonathan about in a sec. You know who he does remind me of, actually, in the same kind of way? Ambrosio. Remember oh when, when we... Was, yeah, Champions you know, when, when I think it would have been, yeah, Kudachini in, 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 in those days uh, if he, but, if he but, was out. But do you um, remember? And he was the same, wasn't he? Yeah, but He, he you... was panic-stricken. Well... I, you know, I'll give you another example. Hilario. Again, mm. whenever mm. he played for us, I basically hid under my seat because, again, I had no confidence in him. Now, whether it's just me being super fussy or what have you, but I just don't... I, I, I always found it extraordinary that it wasn't until we signed Mark Schwarzer that we had a genuinely, genuinely decent... Obviously, we had the, the Czech Tebow thing that, Come on, mate. We had Ross Turnbull. That goes He's won with, a European Cup. He certainly has. He certainly have. And by the way, <laughs> Marco Ambrosio was playing that night at Highbury when Wayne Bridge scored. There he you was. Go. He was. Yeah. He was. He was. Um, Good job. Good job. Bridgie scored, really, wasn't yeah. it? So, I, I, yeah. I mean, I. People said, and rightly or wrongly, that um, Begovic. I think Begovic was a disappointment, but I never ever felt nervous when Begovic was playing. No. Um, but Schwarzer wasn't bad as well. I thought Schwarzer was good. I mean, you've got to remember, he came on after about 20 minutes at um, Atletico Madrid in the semi-final of the Champions League. Mm. Played really, mm. really well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I what I would really, really love, and I know it's not going to happen, is that the next Steve Francis, a young <laughs> Chelsea yeah. goalkeeper. I mean, we've got an amazing youth team. I never hear anything about goalkeepers. I know that Blackman's yeah. at Sheffield United, but I'm not sure yeah. he's playing. Anyway, rant over. But definitely, definitely not, definitely not Roger Twenty Five Stone. We don't want him. Um, anyway, talking of old keepers, Jonathan, I, I, I knew I knew Clayton would be miserable about that. But uh, he he is our resident goalie expert. But Jonathan, you and I can now eulogise about the lunacy of a backup goalkeeper, which I have to say, I, you know, I, I think, and there's been a lot of very, you know quite sensible comment on Mixler it's easy to say this when you won 4-0 if, if we'd have lost or drawn we'd have been spitting feathers about it but there was something wonderfully comedic about Caballero and he does actually seem like a lovely guy and the other thing I said I mean John Chips Chiverton made a wonderful point he said it must be very difficult when you're not playing week in week out can you imagine the pressure so I have an element of sympathy for him but he, there was a bit, you know, the, the nuttiness definitely a bit Barotta-like. Although I think Barotta's probably a much bigger nutter, really, wasn't but, but he? Don't you, don't you hold your breath waiting for it to happen, though? I used to find that yes. Barotta as well. You thought, you thought, <laughs> it, it, the way, you know, when he came out and, and kicked um, 
that the, the 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 really rather competent uh, was it the fullback for the first one? It was definitely the fullback. Oh, the, the, the Mexican, one. the Mexican, Mexican yeah. uh, the Mexican Who, drug drug the, gang the member. The effort he he played fantastically for Brighton. The, the effort he put he did, in, didn't he? But especially the effort yeah. he put in for 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 smashing into Bakayoko and claiming a penalty was um, was remarkable. But uh, I just knew, I knew after that save, which as you said, Clayton, you know, you thought, well, the, it's a very dangerous ball. What's he going to do? And he sort of uh, quarter saved it. When he when he got up to run after it, I knew he was going to foul somebody. He just he just yeah. think he'll do that. <laughs> he will, he's he's knew, bound to do he? it in the same way that that Barotta used to do that. Barotta used to yeah. be, rush out to the penalty area like a madman, and you'd think it was a kind a of rush but, of blood to the head. But, literally. but he, really, what you did at the t- in that era was you you put it down to entertainment. You know, you thought, well, we're not doing yeah. very well as a team, but at least we've got a mad goalkeeper who occasionally, yeah. as, as with the madness of, of Caballero, would save brilliantly. I mean, we talked about Hilario. Yeah. I remember, was it a, a Blackburn that Hilario made about four, a Blackburn away, I remember being about four completely phenomenal saves. And we were, everybody around him, we were just going, we completely taken aback by how brilliant they were. And then missed the ball completely and flapped at something only a few seconds later. And you thought, yeah, that's sort of, Part of the course, really. I mean, poor old Caballero. He can't. He can't help help himself. He can't. Um, you, you say that he wants to go and punch the ball every time, Clayton. He can't punch it. He's crap no, at that. He has, a, he has a go. He's crap, he's crap at it. At least, and it makes you realise actually how good Courtois is. If you ever wanted to have a, an example yeah. of thinking, oh, he's actually not a bad goalkeeper, Courtois. When we're complaining about him not coming out and or you know letting the, letting the ball, uh, yeah, mainly not coming out, not going for crosses, you think actually he he makes very good choices. He punches the ball a long way when he does it. He does it properly. But uh, but once again, once again, the as you said, as you said, Clayton, the two saves he made, um, the the one from the header was superb, completely superb, outstanding save. Yeah. And um, and I gasped, you know, that thing you go, oh God, what a great save that was. And uh, but I think you're absolutely right. I think it creates terrible panic in the defence, and they're not there because they're so worried about whether. And also, not only creates panic if the ball is only a quarter cleared from the punch, it means it's going to come straight back in again. At least. You know, with, with Courtois, if he punches it, it's going to go some way out of the penalty area, or he's going to catch it and boot it away. So the panic is taken away from them. And also, I thought the problem with Saturday was that uh, Alonso seemed to be on a different planet. I've never seen him. That was his worst performance yeah. for me. And, uh, and um, Looked very tired, he, didn't he? he did. Looked very he's, he's tired. Normally, he's normally a, a, a tower of uh, strength heading the mm. ball away a lot. I don't think I can't remember him making any headers. And he, there was oh, that, you know, the, yeah, and they almost game. scored that oh, other save game. that he made, that Caballero made. He was the he, the ball was he was asleep at the edge of the area, and the ball yes. was just yeah, not was. past him. Yeah. And yeah. you thought, I, I remember thinking, come, anyway. come on, Marcus. Anyway, yeah, but you're right. But the other, I would just like to mention um, Tony Godden. Do you remember him? Um, oh God, yeah. yeah, yeah no he, pun intended. He wasn't actually bad. He was he was quite a good replacement no, he wasn't. goalkeeper. I, I think I it. think you find he saved two penalties at Old yes. Trafford in the yes. same game. Didn't yes, he? yeah, he yes. did. He, he did. Was competent. He was with uh, Kerry scored, didn't he? Yep. And because uh, yeah, they were always very good that. at Old Trafford, and of course, good old Bob Isles was a goodie as well. Oh, Bob Isles, <laughs> bloody hell, there's a name from the past. Listen, I'm going to wrap up the old goalie chat because right. I, my final comment on it is go- it was 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 uh, put on Facebook to me by the wonderful Dr. Mart, who we all remember with love and fondness from this show. Uh, and he said, the difference between Peter Barotta and Willy Caballero is that 
uh, Barotta played in front of the defence, whereas Caballero plays behind it, which, which I, thought, I thought pretty much summed it up. Anyway, we haven't heard from Joe for a while, largely because I've been saving this little nugget for him. Um, it should not go uh, unnoticed that amongst, I mean, as we said earlier on, I mean, the Hazard, uh, I, I thought Hazard's second goal, that pass from William was fantastic. And you know, I, I, if if that second goal, the the one that Williams scored, is not one of the goal of the season contenders, then it's it's bent as a nine bob note because I just thought it was a thing of beauty. But it should not go on unmentioned, un should it, Joe? The fantastic pass that Charlie Masonda, you know, put on Moses's toe that made it so easy for even Victor Moses to put the ball away. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, announced talent, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, for, for those people who have followed with Saunders' career for, for quite a long time, it's it, it wasn't a surprising thing that, that he has the ability to, to pick passes and he can do it off either foot as well, which I think is, is pretty special. Um, you know, kind of drifting in from sort of wide space into central midfield to play those kind of passes. And I'm just, I'm really happy that he's just got an opportunity to to show something to, to the Chelsea fans because, you know, for the sort of the Chelsea millennials amongst uh, your listeners, the anyone who follows him on Instagram will know just how much work, you know, he puts in outside of training. He's always in the gym. He's always sort of practicing his free kicks. And, you know, I think a lot's made of the, the kind of younger players having this kind of ready-made mentality. But whereas I think with Masonda, what you see, you see a lot of that kind of old school kind of effort in terms of practicing his craft and, you know, even in the gym, he, he's always playing head tennis or foot tennis, or he's always kind of got a ball around him in some cases. So for me, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was an incredible pass, incredible piece of vision. But again, I think it's something that he, he has in his locker, um, either from wide areas or, or from, from central. He's another one of these kind of playmaker types. He can play out wide, he can play as a number 10 and, and probably realistically would would be able to to play probably, I, I imagine, with Hazard in, in that kind of William or Pedro role if we were looking to go 3-4-3. Three, three. And I think to, to the second point that Chirja talking about his his opportunities again, you know, this is part of the uh, well, it's it's one of the main things that I, I continue to sort of stress about on social media is that you know for him to get this opportunity, it took uh, you know a, a ridiculous amount of suspensions and things to fall in in his way, you know, and and this is the one thing that I'm not hugely happy about at the club is that even with someone like Christensen, the amount of things that have had to fall in his favour for him to become a starter is is pretty crazy, you know, you're looking at the club not buying Virgil van Dijk for 70 or million pounds. You're looking at two suspensions. You're looking at the manager falling out with another player to, for Christian to, to actually get a run of games in the side. And even when he did play and played well, he got dropped the next game. So for Misonda, I think, you know, maybe the, the Pedro suspension, the Morata suspension, and maybe just the, the fact that we were so, we were so far ahead of them by the time he came on, you know, it's these kind of little moments. It's not so much about talent. You know, I, again, I will always stress that I think we have some of the most talented academy players in Europe and it, it's born in the results it's born in how well these uh, players tend to do at international level in their age groups it's it's about creating the opportunities for them and you know I think in, in Missonda in particular I do think if you were to play him perhaps next to Hazard behind Morata or behind Batshuayi that you'd actually see a very very talented player and someone who potentially could save the club fortunes in the future. Well, here's the thing. I mean, and I've said this many, many times on here, and I, I, I've written about it many, many times for various people as well. The only way that that is going to happen is that there is a sea change in the attitude yeah. of the board, which means which means they have to hire a manager and say, your job is to, you know, develop and bring into the first team 
a certain number of academy graduates every year, but our expectations are not that you win the title, the Champions League, the FA Cup and the League Cup every year and set realistic expectations because that is the only way it will change because the minute you get a high-class manager like Conte, who is one of the best managers in the world, and we love him, let's, let's... Make no bones about this. But if you get somebody of that calibre, they come to this club because they expect the club to go and spend a fortune on players so that they can win everything that they're involved with because that's what their ego and status demands. They are not there to develop and bring in the youth and therefore you have a fundamental clash. But the fundamental clash, in my view, is is caused by the mixed messages that the club gives, which is, well, bring the youth through, but we want you to win everything still. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. And I'm not trying to sound like Alan Hansen saying, yeah, we're nothing with kids. <laughs> but I just can't, I can't see how that will change unless the club change that, that, those expectations. Here's, a, here's an interesting stat for you, Chid. So I think probably since about 2011, maybe 2012, 70% of the players that we brought into the club have been uh, under 25. So for me, that says that it's a very clear message that the club want to buy younger players, they want to bring in someone who can develop talent. So the question is exactly yeah. what you're saying, is is why do they bring in management, in particular in someone in Conte. Conte likes experienced players. It's That's been his MO. Yeah. You could see it with the Italy squad, you could see it with, with Juventus. So so why have they brought in a, a manager who, who again, this, this is nothing to do with Conte, this is more to do with a philosophical point, is they bring in a manager who, yeah, yeah, absolutely. who likes experienced players, and yet, you know, they're only willing to, to spend a certain amount of money on, on the kind of players that he wants. And it's, it's very clear that they want to go younger, but they don't seem to want to, uh, you know, to kind of bite the bullet and go, and go the whole hog. And if, if you continue to do this sort of dip your toes in the water, jump back out again kind of philosophy, which they seem to be doing um, probably for the past couple of years, we, we don't really seem to have a set direction in terms of playing style and kind of the players you want to bring in it is very kind of sort of you know very much dependent on the whim of the manager I don't think we're ever really going to get that foundation in place where someone can come in uh, you know you look at Ajax they, they want to bring in two academy players into the first team squad every three seasons for me that that's not a huge um, I don't think that's, that's a huge ask particularly if you're not expecting them to be a first team starter I'd be delighted if someone turned out to be like a Jesse Lingard you know someone who can come on can score goals can contribute he's happy being a being a squad player someone who rotates in that's also the the purpose of this is so then you don't have to go out and buy players who come into the the squad at 40 50 million pound just to do a job you know we should be able to produce players who do a job now that's kind of one of the main points of having the academy and you group all together you know all the money you spend on all these not going to call them average players but sort of squad player types that we buy and go out and buy a superstar you know we, we could go and buy a, a Kylian Mbappe or Neymar or someone really really top tier if we weren't spending Two, three hundred million pound a summer um, on players who potentially, you know, could 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 be filled with with academy graduates. And you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen in one summer, but you're exactly right. If you have a board who are committed to it, can see the kind of long term development and future that that's that's needed. You you sort of gradually increase it over two, three, four seasons, and hopefully by then you've got a platform where you can, you know where you can start attacking uh, some of the best players again. I know we're talking about this a little in the future about why can't we get the best players, but I think often it's the case that we just don't have the funds. Um, available because we're spending so much money on squad players. Mm, well, I, I think that the you know the other thing is, and this is why, you know, it will it will very probably end in tears if it hasn't already with Conte because he feels that he's, you know, it, it he he's been so he, you know he's been lied to yeah, effectively. No, I, I can't agree. say it any other agree. way. You know, I mean, the, you know, I wrote this in the the, the my football London dot uh, London uh, article this week, which came out today. Plug 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 plug. I'm, I, I promise to shut up about all this later, but. 
you know, I, I made this very, very point that there is a way that one can do this organically, which is you have a, you know, you still have a core of experienced players at the club that you've had for a while that have still got a, a few years in them. Uh, you you add to that some of the younger, uh, un, you know, kind of what I would, you know, the back of Yoko's of this world, if you like, yeah. you know, who, who, who have got a lot of potential, but are young. You add to that. Uh, you know, two or three of the academy graduates a year. And then on top of that, you, you buy one or two world-class proven players. And I mean, for me, that is, a, that is an ideal mix, which you do every year, and, that, and you can still be winning, winning things and competing for things, which is what we all want us to do. So I can't, you know, if I can work that out, why can't the club? Although, to be fair, I did acknowledge, for all we know, that's what they might be doing, but circumstances screws that. Anyway, we're going to move on. We're kind of going to move on. It's, it's a bit linked to it, really, because I want to talk about... Uh, in that context, really, you know, Batshuayi, and uh, you know whether he does have a future, given that we're 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 talking about all these strikers coming in, which I think we would all agree that we do need. Um, but why on earth, Clayton? Why on earth are we apparently in for very big lumps who are really good in the air when nobody at the club can actually cross the ball? A point, actually, interestingly enough, that Eden Hazard made when he said, "Why do we need that when we play the ball on the floor?" It's a bit weird, isn't it, mate? Uh, well, I suspect it's because the manager's asked for somebody of that ilk and the club are trying to appease the manager uh, in one respect, even though um, they seem to be pissing him off in every other respect. <laughs> um, something different. He, To be fair, he wanted Lorente last season. He wanted Lorente this season. Um, and so he has always wanted somebody of that ilk. So... I don't think it's anything new. I think the only thing that's new is that we're now shopping in pound stretcher instead of Harrods. So all of these appalling names are being sort of banded about as to who we might get. It all smacks of a short-term fix, which is just... It's just really, really annoying. But in saying that, you know, we saw what Jekko could do early on this season. I would I would not be at all unhappy to see Jekko there. Um he wouldn't be my first choice. Uh, I think part of the problem is that we are looking at what everybody else is doing. We're basically looking at what Manchester United have just done. Uh, you know, if um, Arsenal gets, I can't remember the guy. I know what the guy, I can't present it. Abby Young or Ab- Abby, whatever his name is. Yeah, Abbey Young. Yeah, if they get him, then we'll basically ask the question. The, the is, Dortmund player. Is, is, you know, why aren't we looking at him? Why? Why are we not making any efforts? It's well. It I all... think I think I might have an answer to that. Well, I mean, I had a chat. I, I can't. I can't reveal my source, but it, it's quite a respected source. But he has a theory, which kind of is a bit in line with what you were saying, which was, uh, you know, the club are basically pissed off with Conte. They they think he's going to go. This picks up on what Jonathan's been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks, which is that they all thought he was going in the summer. Uh, in the summer. Um. And they don't want to spend a lot of money. Now, I know the Jekko thing is going to be fired right back at us, which is a, a weird quandary considering the context of this. But they don't want to spend a lot of money because they don't think he's going to be around. So they're kind of coming up with this short-term fix that you're talking about without having to spend a lot of money. And also, apparently, there's an element of pissing him off by, by being in for some of these people. And I know Tony... Uh, and Andy uh, uh, Silverman have been saying it's all a load of bollocks to make Sky money on Sky Bet. And I think it, it, a lot of that is also true. But, for example, uh, there is some truth apparently in the Peter Crouch rumour. So, 
it is a right buggers muddle, mate, isn't it? Well, it, I, I mean, the, the one thing I would say, and, and Joe will probably know more about him than I do, but apparently um, the left back who might come as part of what we're doing is is apparently very good. Emerson. Uh, yeah, and um, so so that might be a benefit. I think the thing is, you know, because we're talking about strikers, and for some bizarre reason, we just seem to get ourselves in a right muddle. I mean, there was the season where we ended up with just Torres and Barra as our two strikers. At the moment, we've just got Morata yeah. and Batch Pato Falcao. as our two strikers. And the point is that people are saying, well, you know, if Jekko comes in, then Batshuayi goes out on loan. Well, that's just bonkers because it still just yeah. leaves us with two strikers. It just... I know, you know I know. And, and I'm not going well, to... Uh, can hark- we move it just to move... Yeah. Sorry, mate, go on. No, I was going to say, I'm not harking back to the halcyon days of Emanalo because Emanalo ended up with two bloody strikers. So everybody who's getting well, misty-eyed exactly. about him, I think, find your next him. Can I make a point? No, about... it's been going on. You're, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I just I was going to bring just just a second, John. I, I agree with you entirely. There, it's been going on a long, long time, Clayton. This is not new. This is going back ten years, really, with striker issues. Jonathan, I was going to ask you a question. I mean, by all means, come back with what you were going to say anyway. But after that, you know, should we keep Batshuayi? I mean, rather than you know, kind of loan him off to somebody so that we get Jacko, because I think Clayton's point's a fair one that he'll still only leave us with two strikers. But anyway, say what you were going to say anyway. Say that, uh, I'm confused about why we, how we would possibly have Jacko when he um, clearly would like to stay more than a year. So are we, because he's 31, are we then, um, and that was the reason we didn't sign Lorente apparently, because he wanted a two-year yeah, two year deal. Exactly that. So are we signing... Jekko on a one-year deal, and he doesn't want to do it, and this is why there's doubt in the standard this evening. That but he's got ahead. he's got a contract at Roma until, until 2020, 2020, mate. Yeah, so he, he, why would he want to come here? And and I, exactly. you know, I'm afraid I'm slightly in that camp of. Um, I, I do agree about the the, the 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 process of they're not sure that he's going to be staying. In fact, I mean, Joe said the other time he was on the show that it, it was really likely that he was off. We we had a discussion about it, didn't we? In which case, it makes great sense not wanting to buy anybody um, uh, unless they're known to be exceptional, such, such as uh, an Emerson Palmieri, his name is, isn't it? Emerson Palmieri is supposed to be terrific. But does that mean that we're then, that, that uh, Alonso is on his way out? Is that what, that, that, I'm a bit confused by that purchase as well. No, I, um, no I, don't, I don't think so. Because if you look at Man City, they've got two great players for every position. And that's, no, that's what, true. That's, that's, true. That, that's what right. we started right. to do years You're ago. Right. You're right. Um, but but for Batshuayi, mm. I, I um, that was the idea, wasn't it? Years under Kenyon, Kenyon wanted two great players yeah. for every position. That was his. He stated that, and he and uh, he had an attempt at doing it, and somehow it didn't. It didn't. Um, it didn't evolve. Well, I think it did run about two thousand and eight, didn't it? Because we were a, a wonderful side then. Um, but Batshuayi, uh, it, uh, it, it suddenly, you know, the, I, I keep repeating this that the 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 knowledge I was given by. Um, uh, blue squirrel, blue cheese, and whoever was that he he doesn't take um, suggestion very well. He's not very coachable. In the same way that Moses was spent hours and hours on his own with Conte to become a wing back, and and it worked because he was very receptive. Batshuayi, though eager, he's like a young sort of terrier puppy, isn't he? In his kind of enthusiasm, it doesn't stick in his ear. And we've had too many moments of 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 um, Fabregas looking up to see where he is to play a long ball, to discover that he's standing rather joyously beside him, asking for a short pass. <laughs> he's, supposed to be, he's supposed to be in up front 
um, <laughs> looking for the uh, looking for the uh, the Hail Mary pass. Um, so, uh, but I, you know, I thought there was, as we've discussed, it was he tries terribly hard, and I, I love, I love him for that. He's clearly a sweet guy, but you know, we, he just seems is so devoid of skill that I really wouldn't be, I would be happy if we didn't see him again, uh, and he was sold. Mm. My, my fear would be, um, considering he was touted as this great uh, uh, Belgian player, and he was, you know, better than anybody else. What happened? Well, is there a period where he suddenly forgot? He lost the ability to run into space and trap the ball because he's he is still even in even in um, in playing his best game for the club, which I felt it was uh, on on uh, Saturday. I still felt that uh, his first touch is just risible. It's like a kind of bounces off him, you know, in a kind of. And there was a terrible moment where all he needed to do was he he got the ball was to slip it sideways, and he sort of fell over himself and the ball, and then he was tackled, then fell over everybody, and then fouled. And you just thought, <laughs> oh God, save us! So you know, I'd love to say yes, he's 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 you know he's he's gone. He's this is a moment for him now. He's he's made it over the summit. And it'll be plain sailing from now on, but. I fear that he's he's not good enough for the standard of football we would like to have. It's no good being, mm. you know, it's, it's no good. It's like, once again, it's Kesman. We want Kesman to score. Yes, good old Kesman. Yeah, we, you know, you, you try. We're good for you. But ultimately, you're just not good enough. And I fear Batshuayi is, yeah. is the same. Well, I think, I fear you may be right. I mean, but the interesting thing is, is that, you know, I, I, I can't understand. I can't understand, although, you know, I accept that it may just be, you know, willful rumour mongering among the press about some of these lumps that we're in for. But I, I equally can't understand signing Jekko. I mean, as, as Praj, Praj is on fire tonight. I think it was Praj you mentioned this on Mixler. I mean, if we get Jekko, apart from the fact that he's 31 and we need to sign him up to a contract for another two years at least, which we don't normally do for players over 30, he can't play in the bloody Champions League. So what would happen if we got rid of Batshuayi, which on balance yes. might not be a yes. bad idea, and then we get Jekko, and then Morata gets injured? I mean, it's just insanity. The the, the club's been the, the lunatics have taken over. Anyway, before I spontaneously combust, I'm going to move this on uh, because Jonathan, I know, is hot to trot about the wing-backs and, and I've got Joe here who, who... Well, I should put this in context, really. Tony, the lovely Tony Glover, who is in Mixler tonight. Uh, if anybody wants to uh, be in the company of Tony Glover, they can listen to us live on Mixler and uh, be in the chat room with him. But uh, during the game, I think, I think largely as a result of Moses being Moses and uh, Alonso having an off day because he's probably knackered run into the ground one could say um he uh ken barker and myself started talking about the wingbacks and uh i did a bit of research because i mean i I generally ask the question who are the best wingbacks in the world because i have absolutely no interest or clue because i only actually ever interest myself in watching chelsea of course anyway i found this great article uh which basically listed the 10, uh, what they consider to be the 10 best uh, wingbacks in the world. Uh, and I, I, will, I will say now that one of them is Marcus Alonso, apparently. Uh, I can feel a massive sneeze coming on. Hang on one sec. Whoa! Excuse me, yeah, excuse me, folks. Um, you, should, you should do that talk, uh, TalkSport voiceover about sneezing, although it's a woman that does it, Jonathan. But anyway, enough, enough, enough. Right, the 10 best uh, wingbacks in the world are apparently Sergio Escudero, who plays for Sevilla, 
Jonas Hector, who plays for Cologne, uh, Mikhail Antonio, who plays for West Ham, Emerson uh, from Roma, who we are hopefully in for, Kyle Walker at Man City, Danny Rose at Tottenham, Ricardo Pereira at Nice, Alex Sandro at Juve, who we've been you know, desperately trying to buy, or Conte has for ever since he's been here, and Felipe Anderson from Lazio. Um, so, uh, you know, what, what I what I read out of that, because I'm now, I feel wonderfully informed that these are the 10 best wing-backs in the world, but what I'm I'm kind of encouraged by is that, A, we are in for, or, or have been trying to get Sandro, so we're trying to address that issue there. Two, we are apparently in for Emerson. And three, we've already got one of them, which is... Uh, which is um, which is Alonso, and I'd love to know why CFC Sport or Mixler thinks what a Muppets list. If you're so bloody clever, you write down ten that are much better than that, and I rest my case. Now I'm going to ask somebody who is intelligent to tell me if that makes any sense. Joe, yeah, um, having a look at the list, yeah, I mean, I, I think the the standout is is the guy we've been trying to sign for a long time, Alexandro. Um, I think the best analogy I've come up with, and I think people who are fans of of uh, Marcus Alonso will, may may take umbrage to this, but it's it's kind of the whole Ashley Cole Wayne Bridge thing all over again. Is that we, I think a lot of people were very happy with Wayne Bridge, very reliable player, very dependable player. Um, but you know Ashley Cole, I think when we kind of got him in here, that the kind of difference between them was was pretty clear. And I think that's that's really the case with Sandro and, and Alonso. Sandro is uh, you know an incredibly dynamic player. You know he's he's a better cross to the ball. The only thing he doesn't have is is uh is Alonso's goal tally. But I mean realistically, that's for me that's that's probably the, the biggest positive about Alonso is the, the kind of goals he gets. But I think Sandro's uh, a lot more creative. He's a lot more technical. Um, I think he's a bit well. He's he's a lot better defensively um, than Alonso. He's probably the stand-up player. And I, I know. Um, I think obviously uh, this also came out that we were after Carl Walker um, as well in the summer, but he turned us down for City. Um, those two, I think, as went for the money. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame him. He, and, and he's a Northern lad, so I'm assuming it's something to do about living up north. But yeah, you know, I think Sandro and, and Carl Walker and and this Emerson Palmieri. I mean the. He's kind of like the Diet Coke version of Alexandre. He, he also played for Santos. He came through that, that same school. He's that kind of very attack-minded um, sort of Brazilian fullback. My, my only concern with him is that he has just recovered from, a, from an ACL injury. And, you know, the, the big, the big stand-up thing, I mean, I used to watch a lot of Roma because I, I really like watching uh, Raja Nangalan play. So I used to sort of uh, see kind of quite a bit of Emerson Palmier when he was playing. Is that he, he was so explosive and so athletic and... You know, he, he used to have this, I don't know if he still has, or he's, he's only just come back from injury, but he could kind of pick the ball up on the halfway line and, and where kind of Alonso will look to play the ball inside, he'll look at a right winger and just go, right, I'm just going to take you on for pace. And he'll, it's kind of almost like that sort of Carl Walker, Danny Rose mentality at Tottenham where they, they almost see themselves as wingers and he would take on a winger, he'll take on the fullback, he'll get to the byline, he'll get into the dependency area. You know, he's, he's obviously Brazilian, so I mean, he's got incredible technique as well. Um, it's just a question for me now of, of, of whether we're getting... A, a player who is is lost some of that dynamism. In which case, I think he's going to be not as effective as what he was before that. Um, and the, the only question I see, particularly from people who watch Italian football, is just that his it's it's to do with his fitness. If he can remain fit and play 50 games, I think you're potentially looking at a a very very good player. Um, it's just a question of, of of what we're you know what we're likely to get after uh, after an ACL injury. Um, and again, I think one of the the slight strange things is that he's a very similar age to Baba Rahman, very similar injury. We're very quick to ship Rahman out on loan without giving him an opportunity. Yet it feels like we're, we're also quite quick to go and invest quite a significant amount of money into into Emerson, who's again just coming back off a very similar injury. So, yeah, I mean, I think for me that they're probably the the, the three standouts on the list. Um, 
The only player that I would probably add to that who's not on here, um, well, there's probably two players, both of them play for Bayer Leverkusen. You have uh, a guy called Wendell, who I think is also Brazilian. And I imagine if uh, Juventus ever do sell Alexandro, then they'll go and buy this guy from Bayern Munich. Um, potentially someone that I'd like to look at. He might be a bit on the short side. He's about five foot nine, but as a wing back, I think he's absolutely fine. Uh, and there's another guy, Benjamin Henricks, again, plays for Bayer Leverkusen, very much in the uh, kind of Carl Walker mold. He's about six foot tall. He's very powerful, very quick, very direct. Um, I think potentially he's another one of these players that Bayern Munich will end up buying at some point in his career. But it'd be nice to try and get in early and pinch uh, pinch him as well. But you no, know, I think I think it's a pretty decent, mm. list, pretty uh, pretty decent list, Chidge. Mm. Um, uh, okay, so I mean, you know, God only knows if we'll get any of those chaps or not. I mean, if 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 some you know Muppet to quote CFC Sport can come up with a list on on whatever website I found it on. Uh, one can imagine that most of the clubs in the world can do likewise, and and you know it, it may be that we just can't get them. So, that being the case, uh, what about you know who's coming up from the youth? Because I mean the thing is, you know, we've got two wing backs, but I think every single Chelsea supporter, hand on heart, would say that they are, you know, really square pegs in round holes. I mean Moses, you know, can't beat an egg, and very rarely gets the ball into the box. And, and and Alonso, for all of his wonderful things, is that, uh, you know, he's probably not the best defender in the world. And he too fails, you know, to get the ball into the box a lot. And neither of them are really blessed with a lot of pace. So given that you want wing backs who can whiz up and down both flanks, defend and attack, beat players and put the ball in the box, uh, you know, that's the list that you're looking at. But who have we got coming through from the youth if we actually were to have somebody who could back up Moses and Alonso, which we really don't have. I, I don't think Kennedy's the answer, and he's the only backup that I can see really. So, who have we got coming through in the youth who could fulfil that role, either of those roles? I think, or both. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the the main guy is probably going to be Dijon Sterling. Um, you know, I think a lot of people make the Dijon mustard joke, but uh, you know, he is a a player who is effectively kind of just the entire right hand so that's right the entire right hand side of the pitch on every place. He can play as a right winger, he can play right midfield, he can play right back, he's played centre-back, he's played as a striker. But I think in, in his position, it's going to be as a, a right back, a right wing back. And, you know, you're talking about a player here who, you know, when I was very fortunate enough to talk to one of the Chelsea scouts when I went to see Lewis Baker, you know, he told me that Sterling at 17 broke like a 10-year record that Iron Robin had held to do with like explosive testing and stuff like that they do in pre-season as a teenager. So just sort of give you an indication of, of his athletic ability. You know, he is... He's built like a wall. He can run. He's probably the quickest player at the club. He's the most athletic player at the club. But he's kind of like potentially like a Carl Walker with a footballing brain and footballing ability. You know, I think Walker is very much 100% reliant on on his athleticism. Whereas I think you'll find Sterling, you know, he, he's more than capable of relying on his athleticism. But given the fact he has played on the wing, he has played on the right midfield. I think that some of the goals he scored in the uh, against City in the FA Youth Cup final last season were incredible. You know, he is a complete footballer who can who can really change a game. And I'm I'm, I'm a little bit um, curious as to why um, Conte maybe hasn't invested some time into him because I think from almost like a prototyping standpoint, I think he's you know he's almost six foot tall. You know, he's got the he's got the physicality to play men's football at this age already. You know, he's got the athletic tools, he's got the technique. You know, he's a great passer of the ball. He's very good at linking plays. Very good at generally pretty much in all in all uh, three, you know three thirds of play. He was a standout for England in the summer when they had their hugely successful period. For me, he for me he's the uh, he's the absolute standout player who could potentially come in and play there. The other one, and I think again this was something that's been told to me by numerous people connected with the club, is uh, Jada Silva. And the only thing really that's holding them mm. back is the fact he's about five foot seven. 
Now, you know, you look at players like Philip Lahm and Jordi Alba, who've obviously had incredible successful careers, and, you know, De Silva is exactly the same size as them. But, you know, I think someone said to me, if he was five inches bigger, he'd already be Chelsea's left back. You know, he's 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 thought of that highly at the wow. club. And, you know, I think this was the player that I think Ian Wright saw and said, you know, he's better than most Premier League left backs. This was about, you know, a year and a half ago when he was about 16, 17. He is, he is all... Well, Dan, Danny Rose can't be... Danny yeah, Rose exactly can't what be I mean. bigger yeah. than that. No, I think he's, he's playing in League One with Cholton now. He's playing every week. I think this is good for him. He's going to get used to teams who are physical, who are going to put, you know, try and put the ball in him at the back post and he's going to have to try and learn how to deal with that. But I think potentially if he can figure out, you know, sort of how... Lam and Alba and, and Rose have sort of figured out to use their kind of size towards them. You know, I mean, going forward, he is he is good at a left back as you're likely to see. I mean, he can stick the ball in the top corner from pretty much anywhere from 30 yards out. He's got a great cross on him. He's a fantastic footballer as well. You know, you, you want to talk about sort of some of the one-touch football that we played at the weekend. I mean, you're talking about a left-back who wouldn't look out of place, you know, sort of in, in those kind of passing moves as well. So I think we, we do have two players. I think the only thing for De Silva will be his height. But like you said, Danny Rose isn't the tallest. Philip Lahm was one of the greatest fullbacks I think I've ever seen play football. And he was he's exactly the same height as De Silva as well. But Sterling is probably the... Uh, is the one I'd love to see get some game time because I think he is the he's the prototype of modern football. He's got all the athletic traits you could want. As I said, I think he's probably the most athletic player at the club. Plus, he can play. He really can play. And uh, I think he would be the one that I'd like to see get an opportunity going forward. Mm, Joe, that was fantastic. I feel utterly enlightened. Clayton, do you feel enlightened? Jonathan, do you feel enlightened? Yeah, no, I, I do. Uh, and I'm, I'm sort of a bit upset, really, because I was going to show everybody how clever I was by mentioning Joe, <laughs> Jay De Silva. Um, and I, I was actually going to ask Joe how Jay De Silva is actually getting on this. Is it Charlton? He's at, he's at um, Charlton, Clayton, yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's... Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head earlier on, Chidge. You know we're we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. We've got some fantastic, fantastic kids, um, and yet we're never going to see them. You know because there's a there's mm. this complete dichotomy. You know the one side we've got to win everything, and on the other side, you know that we just keep delivering fantastic youth players. Um, I'm sort of. I, Joe wrote a fantastic piece. I mean, you know, there, there's a sentence that you don't say often, uh, all the time. Um, Joe wrote a fantastic piece about Lewis Baker. And, you know, part of the sadness, I mean, I'm quite pleased that we've signed Ross Barkley because I think Ross Barkley, we need, I know you probably spoke about this last week, because we've never replaced Lampard's goals. And I'm not actually saying that Ross Barkley's ever going to, you know, score to that level. But anything's an improvement on the fact that Backer couldn't hit the back arse of a banjo or whatever the expression is. Kante scores once in a blue moon. Sesk hasn't scored for God knows how long. And Pedro's gone AWOL this year. Um, and so we're missing those goals. But, I mean, what what's happening with Lewis Baker? Is that, is that Burrow and he's not getting a, a look in at all, is he? Yeah, the the, the Baker thing was, was really, uh, again, this is probably information that, that's probably out in the media now, so I'm more than comfortable talking about it. But um, the, the the thing with Baker was beginning of the summer, he had multiple clubs in the Premier League interested in loaning him. But because Chelsea transferred, you know, I don't remember when we went on tour, we had about 12 players or we had some, we had a really, really small squad. Um, he was effectively kept around just to, so that they could do 11 v 11 training sessions and they could do 7 v 7. 
he was pretty much kept around as a, as a training cone. Um, so as the summer progressed and you had interest from Swansea, from Newcastle, from about two or three other Premier League clubs who wanted to take him on loan, as the summer progresses, they obviously they can't wait for Baker to make a decision or the club to make a decision on his loan. So they bring other players in on transfers, on loans, and sort of came to the end of the transfer window. And I think the only real club that, that was left was probably a club in the Premier League who were very famous for not playing with midfield and very much front to back. So... I kind of think the the thought was, well, you know, I don't necessarily want to go and play there. I think the manager pretty much saw him just as someone who can take a fantastic set piece. So you know, that was kind of all that they were looking at him was. So he uh, he decided to join Middlesbrough on loan. Um, you know, again, the manager at the time, Gary Monk, from my understanding, made him a, a lot of kind of very concrete promises about playing time and, and style of football and things like that. And, you know, I mean, even at this point, I think, you know, I think he's still there. He might be their third or fourth highest scorer and he's, he's, he's you know, created the most chances maybe the third or fourth highest greater most chances and he's barely played a game in two months. So, you know, it's uh, it's a very shame. I think he, he, you know, he fell out with the manager quite quickly once those promises got uh, reneged on. And uh, I'm, I'm very surprised at the moment that a club haven't actually called him back from from the loan in January. Um, so it's possible that they're trying to sort him out alone before they call him back. You know, he can't be in a position again like Jake Clark Sorter, who is very much in the same boat, who again got, got kept around basically as a training cone and missed out on the first three, four months of the season going on loan because the club couldn't... Uh, the club couldn't find him a loan destination in time because they hadn't put Rudiger in and they hadn't got centre-back cover, etc. So, no, it's, uh, it, you know, the, the kind of side effects of some of our poor transfer, not all poor transfer business, but the kind of the indecisiveness at the board level, bringing in players a bit too late, actually has a huge knock-on effect on some of these young players' career. You know, Baker is effectively, you know, throwing away a season of his career now. He's uh, coming off the back of an incredible two years in Holland, should be, you know, should have been playing regularly for someone this season, and yet... If he comes back and goes on loan, he's got that whole bedding in process, getting to know the manager, getting to know the team. You know, it's it's, it's a huge process of, of of trying to get into a team. You know, and he's got that to try, try and do that within the next couple of months. Same with Clark Sorter, who thankfully looks like he's uh, immediately settled in at Sunderland. But you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes with these young players, and, and you know, you're seeing it potentially now with with Trevor Chalabar, who is the younger brother of Nate Chalabar, who's just started training with the first team. You know, where a lot of people in the club will tell you, and, and this isn't my personal opinion, this is stuff that I have in people the club, that he is, you know, four or five times as good as Ethan Ampadu, but because he's got some contractual situations going on with the club, not surprising given, you know, how kind of things ended with Chalaber, uh, Nate Chalaber and, and the club, that he's uh, he's not been training with the first team, he's not been considered to go out on loan, he's been pressed to sign a contract extension before they take him um, slightly further in the next point of his career. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, going back to Baker. I mean, again, it's a, it's a very strange situation, but I would imagine, hopefully, um, someone that gets resolved before the end of the season. But again, Borough have just got a new manager. There's probably new discussions happening, you know, new potential uh, potential things that happen with him at the club. Um, but, you know, I think hope, the hopeful thing was that he'll come back to Chelsea and potentially go out on loan again before the end of the season. Joe, you're wasted on those other podcasts you make appearances <laughs> on. You really are. I think I think we should sign you up full time from now on, mate. Honestly, mate, I I, I I think I might have to go and have a lie down after all that information. It's fantastic, Jonathan. I'm sorry you you didn't really get much of a go there, but we've really got to move to the next part. So it'll be all Jonathan in the third part. I promise you all. But Joe, that was fantastic. I, I feel privileged that you shared that with us. Right brilliant, in part brilliant. three, we're gonna brilliant, we're gonna brilliant. yeah, wasn't it? Brilliant. Wasn't it, mate? Yeah. yeah. It, and 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 it, and it shut you and I up for half an hour, which is which can't be bad, really, can it? When you think about it, anyway. Uh, we're going to look back to the gritty win against the mighty Norwich on penalties in the FA Cup replay last week, and we're going to look ahead to the uh, Carabao Cup semi-final second leg against Arsenal on Wednesday, and of course the fourth round FA Cup tie against Newcastle on Sunday in a minute. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. 
The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Football Fancast. Welcome back, I'm Stanford Chich and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast and uh, it's time for a little bit of a kind of a a look back and a look forward because it's all about the Cups. Uh, Now, um, I I, I will be honest with you, I was unable to be at the bridge last Wednesday for the replay against Norwich. Uh, And before you say, you you lucky, lucky, lucky 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 bastard. bastard. (laughs) I know, I know. But there we go. Um, But the the, the hilarity of it was, of course, I TiVo'd it and I got home about 10 after work and... uh, and I and I resisted the temptation to switch it on live, and I and I watched was starting to watch the TiVo bit, and then being the twat that I am, I managed to press a button, and it went straight through to the what was happening live, and it was the penalties, and I saw Aspeliqueta score a penalty, and I thought, oh my god, that means it's gone to extra time, and I had this decision to make, which was, well, do I just watch the penalties live and go to bed? Or do I go back to where I was? I was only about 10 minutes in at that time and just watch it all. And guess what I did? I went back and I watched it all. I did not get... I know. I know, I know. And and, and, and my summary of the match uh, really is threefold. Uh, You know, we were awful again, but actually we we did actually have enough chances to put the game away. Uh, I thought the penalties were absolutely great. And... You know, the, the I think the VAR was an absolute joke, but the referee was completely not funny, Jonathan. Um, the referee, I've just decided to have a little bit of um, baked potato, forgive me. 
Um, so I, <laughs> I thought, well, I can, As you do. I can take my meal upstairs because Joe will be unbelievably informative. I thought I'll just get in. The referee um, was so inept that uh, he descended into that great kind of grinning, strutting kind of um, um, almost um, character in uh, in Red Dwarf. Um, uh, Crichton. Crichton, yes, exactly. And uh, I was sitting with um, with the wonderful Alex Churchill, and we both came to that conclusion that he he was so um, I don't know, just incapable that he thought the best thing to do was kind of sort of just just um, uh, brave it out by looking like a, a an appalling robotic uh, superhero. Um, uh, I, I was un- I, I discovered I didn't realise this of, through Alex that. He, in fact, didn't consult the VAR because they were worried they didn't have any replays on the VAR and they were worried that he would be swayed if they listened to um, BBC One by the commentators. So he had no sound. He, he didn't even want to mute anything. He just decided not to consult the VAR. And um, so it was in, a complete waste of time having the VAR. Though I think he did consult the VAR once in the second half in, in the second part of extra time, I should say, for a throw-in to see which way it had gone. He was absolutely at sea and um, didn't want to be on the pitch by the end. You could tell he was a- absolutely feeble. Um, but well, they, Hopefully he won't be on a pitch for a very long time after well, that. Well, he, um, he was a fourth official on something at the weekend, but I, I wonder... I'd love to know the process of how many marks he got for that absolutely absurd display. Um and uh, I mean, you know, to to, to be fair, um, uh, we didn't help ourselves by uh, um, hurling ourselves to the ground inappropriately. You know, Pedro's um, de- decision to to claim a penalty was, of course, absolutely deserved of a um, of a yellow card. Um, uh, Maratta, I felt, was a bit hard done by because the bloke did put his arm round him. But I still, he, but similarly, his his ability to then create forward momentum out of being dragged back was quite uh, um, quite brilliant, um, quite superb. Um, but, um, and it's, but as we've stated, it gave Batshuayi the opportunity to play 90 minutes. Um, but, uh, yeah, we managed to be really, really useless. And it worries me that... <laughs> that <laughs> worries me that... Um, well, it basically was all down to Morata, wasn't it? Because Morata, uh, if you watch Morata closely, he goes on very good runs. He really is nimble and nifty and gets into right positions. But if you are always going to shoot straight at the goalkeeper, no matter or hit it wide, there's no opportunity, no chance you're going to score. And, uh, and when he came on, he had a, a very deft header, which you almost scored with. Which you thought, if it had gone in, you'd have thought, God, he's a classy player. But it's that kind of narrow margin. But then when you are in the penalty area on the six yard box and the ball is looped over to you and you hit it straight at the goalkeeper. It, you, the, the kind of player we hope that he will be or should be is somebody who hits it on the angle. Aguero wouldn't miss those kind of chances. He'd rather be belt it better or just find the angle correctly. Um, so there were, we really should have been out of sight that we had so many chances as has been the case recently with all the, the nil nils we've been, you know, we've had 24 shots to their, six and whatever but you know they 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 went at it they had opportunities to score they should have scored mm-hmm. um um Cab- Cab- Caballero had a much better game than he did against um 
uh, against uh, Brighton. Brighton. He was uh, he was outstanding. I actually thought, bloody hell, great. He didn't do any punching. I don't think he had the opportunity. Yeah, to, no, so. no, no. You're but, having memory um, loss, mate. You're having memory loss. There was, was, he, was he awful? Complete buggers muddle um, where he came out for one <laughs> ball where it, I can't remember if the second half or when it was, but he punched it against the back of one of our defenders' heads. And there was another. <laughs> I, think, flat. I think actually. Clayton, I was I was hiding by then. I think yeah. Alex and I were just were were, were eating. Um, we went and got a lot of Smarties in the posh seats at halftime, and we just sort of hid like giggling schoolchildren underneath the parapet and didn't really look. So it may have been the case by then. But no, but in, in comparison, to be fair, I thought he he made a couple of really decent he saves. Did. He made but as we as yeah. we've established, he, he's good at that. But he, the other things he isn't good at. You know. But yes, it was. You, you know, kept. Kerry said something really interesting uh, on the show I do with him on Thursday, which, you know, was, was straight after the, the game, really. And, you know, I was whinnying on about, you know, why can't the players who don't get much of a chance normally turn up in what is actually a really good opportunity for them to prove Conte wrong and, and make a claim for getting in the first side. So I, I, I came out all guns blazing. And, and actually, Kerry was really interesting because he said, well, you know, they don't play every week and... You know they're human, and and they, the, you know, basically he was saying it. it, it, it psychologically, it's quite difficult for them, which perhaps, which is remarkably kind of him. But then again, he did used to play, so you know he he has got some insight here. But it might explain why, certainly in in the two Norwich matches, we have looked so below par with what is effectively a, a B team. But that whole idea about if you play regularly for the first team and you still play in that match, then you know Conte doesn't think much of you. And if you if you're, you're getting an opportunity because you never play in the first team, Conte doesn't think much of you. And it, and it seems to have an effect, which I think given given that, um, just to move this on a little bit, uh, what team is he going to put out against Newcastle on on Sunday? Because you know the thing is, and I, I, I'm sure I speak for all of us here, is we love the FA Cup. There is nothing I like more than going to an FA Cup final at Wembley. And and, and thankfully, um, after a 27-year hiatus, we've been there very, very regularly in the last 20 years. Um, so, you know, I want us to put out a bloody decent team that's going to beat Newcastle. Uh, obviously, there'll be equally questions about what kind of a team Rafa will put out. But, you know, what kind of team do you think, uh, Joe, he's going to put out? Um, I mean, I think at this point in the season, I, I do have a feeling that we'll see Conte maybe start mixing some of his team selections. I think it will be pretty strong. Um, I don't think it's going to be sort of the four eleven players that you would probably hope to see in a game this magazine. And, and I maybe think that's partly down to Conte potentially second-guessing the selection that Benitez is going to put out. I mean, they are effectively one point off, uh, off being in the bottom three in the Premier League. So does Benitez really want to go 90 minutes and, and tire out the team? Do, do you think do you think he do you think he might throw it Benitez? I I think he'll he'll pick a a changed team and play extremely defensive. I think he'll go he'll be he'll be pushing mm. for the draw with maybe a changed team. And if Conte guesses that and guesses that right then I I think maybe we'll see Hazard potentially get rested. Um maybe Fatshuayi still here Fatshuayi start maybe a few different changes in midfield maybe drink water plays that kind of thing. I don't think it's going to be a, a, a kind of weakened team. I do think it will be quite heavily rotated, though. Mm. I mean, in, in many respects, Clayton, a lot, a lot of... I mean, what he who he selects on Sunday will be affected, I would imagine, by, you know, how it pans out on, on Wednesday night against Arsenal. And I'm, the corollary of that is I'm, I'm presuming that he's going to 
you know, pick his strongest team against Arsenal tomorrow night. Would you would you agree with that? Oh, without a doubt. Um, I think he's very keen to uh, to get to a final. I think we all are. Um, we certainly owe Arsenal. <coughs> I have absolutely no idea, but Conte seems to have hit a wall when it comes to playing Arsenal and Wenger. He seems to be completely bereft mm. of changing teams. And, and he, uh, our, Wenger seems to just have the Indian sign over him. I've got absolutely no idea why. Um, I... I think I have an answer to that, but I'm going to hold my fire for one second. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, he'll play a strong team. Um, and I suspect that he'll play a, a, a bit of mix and match on, on Sunday. Um, I think obviously home advantage is good. I, You know, going back to what Kerry was saying, and, and I've been thinking about this a lot because, I mean, I really like Pedro, but I think Pedro's had a, a really poor season. And I think in the two games against Norwich, I mean, obviously the second game, he managed to get himself sent off, which was just, you know, for a, for a dive and a foul, which I think is exactly what happened in the uh, Community Shield, isn't it? He got booked for a dive and mm, then a foul. Mm. Um, yeah. Both, that was both, Moses, both though. Both times. No, no, no. Pedro got sent off in the in the Community Shield. Moses got sent off in the Cup. Uh. Okay, um, there you go. But I just, I mean, I... For the same thing. Yeah, I, well, same result. <laughs> so, I mean, do, do, yeah. do you think that these players, I mean, they are human, you know, they get an attitude and think, well, I, I'm only playing in games that don't matter. You know, why, why I can't... Well, why is you know what? Up for I, it? I, I mean, I, Pedro's a fantastic you, you, player. You played you play football... You played football when you were a kid. I think we all played football when we were yeah. a kid. And I, I myself was not very good. I, I, I have, I have no shame in admitting that. But I, you know, and I was also kind of quite young for my school year. So you know, therefore not as, as strong as as the, the the year that I was in, if you see what I mean. And I would quite often get dropped down to the B team and end up playing against you know young you know kids who were a little bit younger than me who were not as good, you know, and I should have walked all over and been much better than them. But I, I often found that I would actually, what would happen was I would sink to their level rather than playing at the level that I was at. And I and I kind of, I mean, not that I'm trying to compare myself in any way to a professional footballer, but I'm wondering if, if, if a similar kind of thing happens sometimes yeah, where, agree. you know, you raise your game when you play against better players, but your game drops when you play against worse players. Yeah, no. You know what it I mean? Could be, but as a professional footballer, I mean, you know, the fact is that we played two games with a second-string team against a mid-table championship side who are yeah. struggling, and we looked awful up there. We looked awful up there because it looked like we couldn't be asked, but I think it was worse at home because I think we were trying, and <laughs> you know, and I just want to just. I, I, just one very, very quick thing about the referee that night against Norwich. Nobody noticed him in the first 90 minutes. It was just extra time where he went. Yeah. that's Well, I don't know, mate. The Willian decision was appalling. That, that the penalty. Was, that was I mean, time. you know, I watched it. That was extra time. No. The Willian. Yes, was it? it was. Yeah. First yeah. half was uh, extra time. Okay. I, ta- I take whole, that all back. I take that all back. He just sort of lost it was in extra time. Maybe he ran out of steam. Yeah. Who knows? All right. Anyway, carry on. Fair enough. I'm, I'm distracted by Tony Glover being incredibly cruel on Mixler, saying, Chidge, you were so hopeless, the kids at your school, at school your age, didn't want you. <laughs> well, thanks, Tony. All I can say to that is that uh, you'd probably left school by the, the, the age that I'm talking about, you old bastard. Um, anyway, um, moving on, as we should, uh, you know, I... I, I 
I'm pretty sure that unless we completely arse it up like we, 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 we kind of did against Norwich, that we'll we'll beat Newcastle on Sunday, Jonathan, because I think that I think Benitez will throw it because I, I think Joe's right. I think they've got bigger fish to fry. And that is that is the way of these things these days, although I do think he'll part the bus. It worries me a bit because they they, they, they look quite good against City, actually. I thought they caused City a few problems uh, at the weekend, but I, I do feel quite confident about that. And, and so we should proceed there. Um, as for the Arsenal game, I think that's a much tougher one to call. I think at the end of the day, mate, you know, nil-nil uh, in the first leg is not a bad result because a bit like in European competition, you know, you, it means you, you've got to win the game. So all we all we need to do is win the game, which means we can't sit back and, and be negative and defend. Um, I think the corollary of that is, is you know, A, how important is, is, is getting to Wembley and beating Arsenal on Wednesday for us, Jonathan, and and, as, and secondarily, how important is it that we, we, we embark on a good cup run by putting Newcastle away on Sunday? Oh, you've stated already, I think we're completely devoid of ideas against Arsenal. You find, but Bournemouth beat Arsenal 2-1, didn't they? And Arsenal looked absolutely terrible. And yet up against us, they suddenly look, suddenly look like a, you know, a, a decent side. I've... I'm, I'm wondering if he'll, you know, will, will he play the three, the five in the middle again, or will he, uh, will he attempt to uh, to play with the with the four as at the weekend? I mean, that would be great, wouldn't it? If he, if if we had that same kind of movement, and he didn't play Morata mm-hmm. and he kept to the same side, I'm I'm beginning to to not understand what's going on, or or um, I'm beginning not to have faith in what team he will pick, and. Um, uh, and I similarly, I'm completely devoid of ideas for for Sunday. I mean, he might go, uh, he, as you say, he might create a mix. But ah, um, oh God, I'm sorry to be so feeble. I just don't, you know. Do you, do you want to do you want to hear my theory about why he struggles with Arsenal, and then I'll, I'll ask Joe what he thinks. Yeah, about go on. It, then, go my theory is is that you know, I think I think that Conte is kind of unaware of the psychological hold that we've held over Arsenal for, you know, nigh on 15 years now. And and a lot of that has stemmed from basically bullying them. Even when we've had tiny players, we've still bullied them. We've just gone at them. And I think being Italian, he, he's naturally quite cautious and defensive as a, as, as a coach. And I think he gets stuck between a rock and a hard place. I think he... He doesn't know whether to attack against Arsenal, which, of course, everybody... There are people who are yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest who know that if you attack Arsenal in numbers, you batter them. So, but I think he gets stuck between whether he should attack them or, 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 in fact, he might be frightened of what they can do to us because, of course, on their day, Arsenal are, are a massive attacking threat. And I think he gets caught between a rock and a hard place. So what do you think about that wonderful piece of analysis by your Uncle Chidge, Joe? I mean, I think that's exactly spot on, Chidge. Um, there I we think go. We, See? I, I, I just think Conte <laughs> just pays them far too much respect. I mean, the, the past couple of games, yeah. I've looked at their, their team on paper and I just think we should be beating these like 6-7-0. I mean, they've got Rob Holding and, and other sort of championship standard defenders. And yet, we, we seem so reticent to, to just have a go at them and... You know, and it's not it's not even a back three when we play against them. It becomes a back five very quickly, and then the sort of three midfielders. It's three very defensive minded, very free defensive uh, position players, and then it's just like let's hope Hazard does something, which seems to be the tactic against them. But no, I mean I, I completely agree with with Jonathan. If you go on the front foot, go three four three, actually try and attack them. 
I mean, they, they crumble against lesser teams. I just think you're right. I think it's this sort mm. of mentality where he's looking at them as kind of maybe the Arsenal of like 10, 15 years ago. You know, the, the one that you probably would pay respect to, you would probably set up a bit more cautious. Not the team that puts out Mustafi holding in some other random guy at the back that you've never heard of. You know, they've got terrible wing-backs. Their midfield isn't particularly strong. You know, maybe that's the way to go, Chid. Maybe it's just a case of let's just put our uh, let's put a team out, let's go on the front foot, and let's just try and put them under pressure because, you know, they they crumble against pretty poor teams when teams do that against them, and yet we seem to pay them so much respect, let them have the ball in midfield, let them start passing it around, and and then it's really no no kind of uh, well, yeah, it's it's really not a, a huge uh, you know kind of. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I just completely lost what I was going to say there. But yeah, I mean, it's it's no surprise really to see them look pretty decent against us when we concede the game so much to them. It's for me, it's almost a mentality thing. If we if we push on from the first minute and we actually try to attack them, I think we should beat them quite comfortably. Yeah, well, here, here, I meant to that. And, uh, just... I mean, just to chip in, if you look at the the, the league game, um, I mean, I know Tebow made a, a worldie in the first half, but we, you know, we should have won that game four <laughs> five yeah. two. You know, and and we did attack them, so it's a you know that was our own stupid fault. Um, but yeah, uh, you're you're all entirely right. I mean, we've got nothing to lose. Scoring draw takes us through. Mm, all right. Oh, does it? Does the way goals count after extra time? Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, let's hope it doesn't go that bloody far. Now, to wrap this bit up, I'm just going to... There's some wonderful mixler comments, which I think are worth bringing in. Uh, John Chips Chiverton says, You seem to forget they used to bully us, Chidge. I have certainly not uh, forgotten that. I remember, John, in that period in the late 90s, early noughties, we could not beat them for toffee. And I remember a cup replay where, where we, we, we got beaten 3-1. Uh, at home and I was almost in tears I just thought are we ever going to fucking beat this team it was it was that bad wasn't it uh, and then it all changed wonderfully uh, and uh, Mark Barfoot the wonderful Mark Barfoot I hope you're well Mark good to see you in here he says uh, Arsenal four days before Newcastle Bournemouth three days after I reckon he'll play the same team versus Newcastle as he did against Norwich I, I suspect you may be right there Mark uh, and on that basis third time lucky eh uh, and then the lovely Andy Silverman. Hello, Andy. Hope you're well. He says, yay, Chidge, bringing back the bingo card one for the kids. He's referring to my use of there are people who are yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest. Now, I'll share this with you. My football.london article, which went out today, I actually used that phrase. There are people who are yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest. And they cut it out and oh, changed it. No. By, by, they, they, they did. They, they used every man and his dog oh, knew that Conte gosh. would blah, 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 blah. And I thought that was disgraceful. I mean, that's, that, is a, that is a true Chelsea fan cast. Do they not that, know who you are? Exactly. Do they not know who I am? They're not used to vocabulary. We've got Ollie on the, the show next. You use Chich. This is disgraceful. I know. Well, we've we've. I know. I've never heard I know. We've, we've got ever Ollie. Say every man and his dog ever. It's so banal. I know. It's so unchidge like, oh, isn't it? You know, there are people yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest. That's that's well known oh. for a saying for mine. Anyway, uh, we've got Ollie on the show next week, Jonathan. So we'll kick him in the nuts about I'd that. Like yeah. Can we find another? Can Absolutely. we find another image that's more chidge like? Well, like what? I don't know. You tell me. What's the chidge image for kicking somebody in the nuts? I'll, I'll think about it. The nuts. I'll, I'll kicking think about somebody it. with a piece, of, I'll just, with a piece okay. of bark from the Amazon rainforest. We could. Hitting them with a I, piece I will of wood. attack him with an... A- I'll, I'll attack him with an Amazon tree frog. Yes. Oh, there we have it. There we have it. Perfect. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, we must move on um, because I'm conscious that Clayton will probably have to go to bed soon and we've got loads of emails and stuff. But I'm very quickly going to I'm gonna do a, a high-speed read in the style of Jonathan Kidd because we've got to plug a few things. Uh, not least, the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Uh, as always, don't forget, you can join the Trust, get your voice heard by the club. It's absolutely free to join up to be a member. You don't have to pay a cent. You just have to go to the website, chelseasportstrust.com, find the Join Us page, which, by the way, people, we're working hard on simplifying so it makes it a lot easier for you to sign up and then that's it you remember you get you get all the communications and you can email us and tell us you know what what you need uh, to be to the club to be made attend, uh, aware of and stuff like that god get my words muddled up um if however you want to vote at the meeting at, at the agm or uh, elect the board uh, and vote on the motions that we carry every year then yes you do have to pay five pounds but basically you know, first things first, join up for free and take it from there. Um, of course, you can follow them on Chelsea at uh, Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. Now, the CPO, for uh, whom we are huge supporters, as are the Trust, well, it's their a- AGM on Friday, uh, 11 o'clock at Stamford Bridge. If you're a CPO shareholder, I hope that you'll be going. I will be there, as will most of the other uh, board members of the Supporters Trust. Um as far as I'm aware, I don't think there's much kind of controversial uh, stuff going on, but there is this idea to uh, lower the share price to £25, which I believe is an attempt to attract a younger uh, bunch of uh, shareholders, which I'm all, all in favour of. And it means that if you if you own a £100 share, it means that you will now have four votes for that £100 share. So nobody loses anything by it. So I encourage you to uh, go to the AGM on Friday, and if and if you can't because you're not a member, uh, not a shareholder yet, buy a bloody share. It's very simple. Uh, all you have to do is go to in, uh, email them info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners. And of course, you can follow them at pitch owners. Uh, as Clayton alluded to, um, the latest issue of CFC UK should be available. I would imagine, Clayton, I, I don't know if they'll make Arsenal, but it'll certainly be available on I, Sunday I at Newcastle, it, won't it? I think it was to make the, the, the Newcastle game. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, you know what Clayton's is about. You know what mine's about. But the, the, I can I can absolutely assure you that there are much better articles in there than mine and Clayton's. Thank you very much, Mark, Walter Thank Walter Rod. Well, I'm, well, it's true though. You know, Kelvin, Marco, yeah, Walter. Okay, I mean, right. we can't compete yeah, with those okay. big hitters. Right. Yeah. I think I think we can give Tim Rolls a run for his money, <laughs> even if he is a published author now. As are you, of, of course. course. Anyway. Bottom line is, CFC UK, out, uh, the new one's out on Sunday for the Newcastle game. If you can't get a copy at the uh, CFC UK store, which is opposite Fulham Broadway, for only a pound, you can get it digitally uh, by going uh, to cfcuk.net. And if you're in the States, just tweet at CFC UK USA or Dan Lundberg on, uh, at dlundberg underscore, and they can organise uh, getting you a proper copy in the states and last but by no means least as always i'm very touched and humbled by the number of people who have already signed up to our patreon page uh which means that a bit like you know you pay a quid for the fanzine if you pay a dollar every show we did that would be four dollars a month and it would make me happy and enable me to drink uh, a pint of ordinary in the cock on a match day so there we go it's just a really it's a little way of saying thank you we appreciate what you do uh, and there you go. But there's no pressure on it, of course. Uh, but if you do want to donate, it's very easy. Uh, you can do it at www.patreon.com forward slash Chelsea 
fancast i thank you all for being so lovely and generous now part four we've got some superb emails as i was saying earlier on and uh, we've got one definitely uh, on eden hazard going to real madrid one on booing at the bridge and one from a lad from utah who fell in love with chelsea there are another two as well which if we can get through we will we'll see we'll be back in a minute to prove it Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Fancast.com. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. We're in the home straight now. Final part. It's email time. All you good people who listen to this show, and, and I love you for sending emails in. We've got some absolutely humdingers tonight. Hopefully we'll get through them all. If not, we'll, uh, we'll back them up to next week. But uh, first one is, is carried over from last week, Jonathan. It's from the lovely Kendall Douglas, who even sent us a picture of him, yes, didn't he? Yes, sweet picture. Yes, he's a nice chap. Big yes. shades. Yeah, Big shades. expect, because he's from America. Um, of course, he's uh, exactly. uh, Kendall Douglas. Douglas is spelled D-O-U-G-L-A-S-S, not just S. Douglas. Kendall. Douglas. K N D A L L. Kendall Douglas. No, I'm being very unfair, Kendall. Here we go. Uh, to all of those amazing folks at the Chelsea Fancast. Oh, thank you very much. I live on the other side of the pond here in Utah, and I grew up playing soccer, as it's called here. I was blessed to have my dad as my coach when I was younger, and then to play for a local club team here. Soccer, football as it's known everywhere else, was not a very big sport while I was growing up. So unfortunately, the Premier League was never something that was on in my home since college football and basketball are usually broadcast at the same time as the matches in England. I can remember watching a few Champions League games when I was younger and I always tuned into the World Cup when it was that time of the year, but I never took in a Premier League match. That all changed on August the 8th, 2015. I'd recently started college and all my classes were done for that day. And I was looking for something to watch on TV. While I was scrolling through the channels, I came across a Premier League match. I wasn't sure what the Premier League was, but I'd become what I like to call an amateur scholar of the MLS, Major League Soccer. So I figured I would watch a Premier League game and see what it was all about since the MLS season was coming to a close. I'll never forget the instant I first saw the pitch on the screen. The game was at the bridge, Swansea playing against Chelsea. The pitch was a phenomenal shade of green. And seeing the team come out in their blues, I was instantly hooked. The uniform looked phenomenal and I knew who I was rooting for. I had no idea at the time of the history of either team. So I just hoped for a good match to watch. I was instantly amazed by the fluidity and pace of the play, the crispness of the passes and the sharpness of the movements and cuts of the players. I especially grew an instant love for William and his pace up the side and his magic with the ball. I still love watching him play to this day and I will defend him until the death. Seeing Costa bully the other defenders was also a riot and I was amazed at how physical the game was. The soccer here in America doesn't even compare to what I was watching then, and I couldn't figure out why I'd never seen a Premier match before. During that match that ended in a 2-2 draw with a couple of questionable calls, I immediately knew that the Blues were the team I wanted to cheer for. I saw a team that was down two men and was still able to muster out a draw. 
through the rest of the season, I watched every game, even if that meant waking up at 5 a.m. on a Saturday. I watched as Mourinho began to look more like a troll on the sideline than a manager, and as he lost control and the desire of the team fell. The end of that season did not end as any of us wanted, but I knew that I was a Blues fan for life and that this was the team I wanted to support for the rest of my life. I started buying anything Chelsea that I could, flags, banners, shirts, scarves, pyjamas, and I have a massive Blues flag hung up in my room. I even bought a jersey with my name printed on it. Everyone on my campus knows me as the Chelsea guy. It's a title I wear with pride, and every match day I look like I'm going to a match at the bridge when I walk around wearing all my gear. You can imagine how ecstatic I was with how the last season went, where we went on a run of destroying teams and looking unstoppable to Batshuayi's goal at the end. Seeing Courtois sprint up to hug Conti just showed me how much love there is in the team for this man. I sat there with a huge grin on my face and tears running down my cheeks as I watched my new team of only two years go from a mid-range team the year before to the champions a year later. How lucky I was. Then watching a man named John Terry get a salute off the field, I was able to see how much this club meant to him and how much he meant to the club. I will always treasure that moment. I know there's been a lot of shit put towards Conte this season, but he's a man I will support until the end. In Conte, I see a manager who is passionate about the game. You can see it in his reaction when we score a big goal. Sometimes he even jumps into the stands. That's not something you'll see Mourinho doing at Man U or Wanker, sorry, Wenger, I guess is his real name uh, in Arsenal, uh, Arsenal. The fire that Conte has is an absolute joy to watch. And from seeing it in broadcasts, you could hear him on the touchline shouting to the players about positioning and where to move to. I love it because it reminds me of my dad constantly shouting encouragement and helping so that as a player, you aren't left on an island. I think it would be a shame to let him go because for God's sake, we're in the top three, we're pushing in the Champions League and we're in some major club competitions. That is not something Liverpool can say, yet they're all in behind Klopp. I sure wish we could see more positives from the fans and the media towards Conte because I'm afraid he will be sick of being crucified for not winning every single game, which may very well end up in him wanting to leave. Give the man some slack. He won the Premier League in his first year. He has fire. He has the drive to win. Give him a chance to get it worked out. I know this has been a long one, but I just wanted to share my thoughts from a new generation of Chelsea fandom. Thank you so much for putting out this podcast. Every week I look forward to it the day after it comes out so that I can listen to it at work. It makes my day much better. I love hearing the opinions and, and analysis of the matches and the personalities of those who come on. The banter between everyone keeps me entertained the entire time, and I look forward to listening to many more of them. One day in the next couple of years, I plan on coming over to London to take in a match so I can see the Blues play at their home ground and partake in the spirit of being around the rest of the fans. If I get to meet any of you in that time, the first round is on me. Hell, the second one is as well. Thanks again for all you do. Best regards, Kendall. Kendall, um, uh, Chid, you must, um, you must get him to come to the cock immediately. Immediately, he gets into uh, yes uh, before hours before the start of a game, and then uh, he can buy the whole of the pub around and uh, and the second one. No, no, yes. no, he can just he can. Well, definitely um, me, yeah, definitely me, meet, me first. Yeah, he must, must, meet, uh, <laughs> must meet up. Fantastic, male. Fantastic. 
And uh, there we go. It's to- Tony's just uh, Tony's just said on Mixler, get him over here. The cock needs him. He couldn't <laughs> yes, be more right. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Brilliant email, oh, wasn't it? Lovely oh, to hear those stories. I, yeah. I find myself getting all emotional about it. I love it. I just, I do yeah, too. I, just think I the, do too. The, the, the joy and the fire and the passion they have for uh, for the team is just uh, remarkable. To get you know to be able to do that from so far away is just absolutely brilliant. And it, you know, it's because you can see the matches. It's great, but the dedication is just magnificent. But brilliant, Kendall. Kendall Douglas, well done, mate. Fantastic. Good. And now the second one is from. Matthew Webber, uh, I'd like to address the stupid rumour of Eden Hazard to Real Madrid. I understand that money talks and no player is bigger than the club, but Hazard has been with us five and a half years and he's part of the club. He's made such good friends in Mitchie and William. I don't think he's the type of person, capital letters, to give something like that up for money. He's an absolute gem of a footballer, agreed, who's won things with us. He knows we're a winning side and I think he relishes the prospect of hard work against the opposition. But just to digress, wasn't it wonderful him giving that his shirt to that kid? Uh, did you? Did you I thought so. A lot, I, a lot of I, people are a bit arsy no, about no, it, but I thought it was did great. You see, I think Steve Atkins told him to go over and do it at the end of the. Really, yeah, I think so, because they showed it on Sky. They showed the kid about halfway through the second half, and then at the end of the game, as as Eden was walking off, Steve Atkins said something to him. So I wonder whether that was it. Anyway, uh, I, anyway, it was digress. But it was good. A good thing to it, do is, anyway. it, it was, yeah. Yeah, is it available? Is it available on eBay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I've interrupted Matthew Matthew Weber's uh, mail. Anyway, um, uh, it's all about Hazard still. I don't think he would fit well in or enjoy the Madrid side. He isn't used to having to compete for his place in the squad at Lille or Chelsea. But in Madrid, he will be competing with the likes of Ronaldo, the crying twat, and Bale, the money-grubbing traitor. I'm not saying he's not as good as if not better than those two, but I don't think he would be in the right mindset competing for his spot that hard. He wouldn't play his best football. We shouldn't keep him just to rely on him solely. We should keep him because of the relationship he's made, he's made, relationships he's made with the club and players. He's not the be-all and end-all of Chelsea, but he's definitely a mainstay of our locker room. His big, playful personality shines so bright on the pitch. I can only imagine how brightly it shines inside the locker room. Hazard to Madrid, to me, is so false, it's laughable every time I hear it. Cheers, boys. Maybe girl, too. Keep the blue flag flying high, Matthew Weber. Um, well, I'm guilty of that, aren't I? Because last week I said, "Oh God, the rumor was that he was off." You know, I said that uh, after because he was. He well, I think he, he looked it, it, miserable and he came off, and they were all trying not to injure him, you know, because he's going to be sold. And he was uh, he was so wonderful at the weekend that, uh, and he, he interviews well. He's right about him being a kind of you know bouncy, furry, furry chap. He's uh, he's got a permanent smile on his face whenever he's interviewed, and his English has got so much better. It's nice to see, actually. So uh, he's obviously a, a real character, hasn't? But yeah, I mean, I'm, it's, he's, he's absolutely. I think I think it speaks it speaks of our paranoia that he might go because I mean, I, I, funnily enough, last CFCUK I wrote a bit of a eulogy to to Hazard and how wonderful it is to watch a player of his skill play for us and. You know, it's part of the joy of watching football, watching players like him play, and and I think we would all be very miserable if if he was to go because we would miss that. So I think it speaks of our our, our paranoia that he might go. Yeah, but really. We're Chelsea fans, though, aren't we, Chiefs? We're bound to be paranoid about people leaving. Aren't we? We're bound to half glass full, mate. Ex- half glass yeah, well, full. You know, I'm, no, I'm... I'm not. I'm not talking about my drinking habit. <laughs> that's half, half. That's glass overflowing, isn't it? 
No, no, it's always half full because I drink somehow. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, okay, yeah. Anyway, oh, dear. Yeah, no, I was just trying to... Next email. Yeah, thank you. Next, yeah, this is from uh, Blake Martin. Hi, Chelsea Fancast crew. I like that, it's good. I'm writing this email to vent and voice my opinions and emotions of Chelsea's so-called fans of late. Firstly, I've heard through this podcast and several others that so-called fans have been booing the team stroke players at recent matches, not just podcasts, but also on the TV coverage. What a disgrace. Is this how fans want our team and alleged supporters to be heard and seen around the world? Many legitimate supporters across the globe dream of attending Chelsea games, but are not given the opportunity. To have someone else in the position we dream of abuse the privilege is phenomenally frustrating. Phenomenally frustrating. I believe the politically correct term is absolute fucking wank. Many people believe it's disrespectful <laughs> to boo your opposition. Therefore, in my opinion, you cannot be a fan of Chelsea if you choose to boo them. Uh, yes, I should have been to boo your opposition. Therefore, in my opinion, you cannot be a fan of Chelsea if you choose to boo them. Yes, you have a right to. But by making this decision, you're also deciding not to be a Chelsea fan. Regardless of a player's form and performances of late, why would anyone try to make things worse? Surely that means you want a player to do badly. Secondly, the stereotype of it's only young FIFA idiots that boo at games. I have attended a single match at Stamford Bridge and despite Chelsea losing, the memories have been cherished and booing was the last thing on my mind. I went to the match to watch my team and a major part of my life play, but of course hopefully also win. I'm a supporter either way. I'm aware of many other young Chelsea fans like myself that play FIFA and actually support our squad all of the time, regardless of current form. By the way, thanks Stamford Chidge and several others for clearly pointing out it's not exclusively young fans booing. I hate seeing young fans such as myself cop stick, especially if it isn't just or isn't at all us. We're all Chelsea and I can't comprehend why anyone would want to create a division of fans based on age. Older fans, including many on the podcast, are teaching my that's me, are teaching myself and various other fans how to be proper chels. Something I am forever grateful and appreciative of once I pass 18. Um, I will have to repay the favour with a beer. Oh, another one. Though this will not cover the debt. <laughs> yep. This will not cover the debt. Well, how about several <laughs> beers then? What's the phrase? If you can't stroke, don't support us when we're losing or maybe drawing. Don't support us when we win. I've never heard of that phrase. But anyway. anyway, huge thanks. Oh, it's often been used. Is it? Often oh, been I used. Just go to, so yeah, in yeah. the posh seats, we don't get that. We just get, yeah, are we winning? Uh, oh, okay, we're not. I'll go and have some cabbage. To be fair, yeah. Jonathan, my, my preferred one is... Um, we're not lose up the blues. Um, we're the best... No, no, no. We're the greatest support... We're the greatest... What is it? We're the best. We're the best known supporters when we win. We're the best known supporters when we win. And then, you know, we're a right bunch of bastards when we lose. Which I've, I've always quite liked that one for some reason. I don't know yeah. why. Anyway, moving swiftly. Um, okay. Huge thanks to everyone. In- or win or win or lose, win or lose, we're always on the booze. That's, that's my favourite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the glass half full. Yeah. Um, With the glass yeah, half yeah. full, and uh, having had three pints uh, from the listeners already this yeah, evening. Indeed. Yes. Well, I think we're doing quite well. It's another pint here, isn't it? Um, we are. Huge thanks. I, I, I don't drink now. Huge thanks to everyone involved in the pod. The insight and information is brilliant and massively appreciated. Cheers and thanks again, Blake. Another good mail. Another good mail, Blake. Another good mail. Very good, good indeed. One. Fantastic. Well, I know as a somebody who doesn't boo any person, I boo boo is the referee. 
I boo the referee, I, and I boo the linesman down below me all the time because the. I, I have to say that yeah. against Norwich, on the basis it was one of the worst games I've ever seen, and I was freezing cold, and I got a bad back at the moment. When they when Norwich equalised, I, I I wanted to boo a lot because I did not want to be in that stadium for another hour. I think I left about twenty to eleven. I think that's the latest I've ever left a ground. And it wasn't for anything exciting either. Oh dear, that was a that really that was a low that night. It really was. I've got to be I've I've got to be honest. You know, I've lost my shit at football more times for poor referees than I've ever done. You know, I never boo the players anyway. What's the point? You know, but uh, referees. I mean, I remember Overbro in Barcelona. I, I was so irate that I nearly I nearly launched from the back of gate seventeen into the lower tier. I was so apoplectic well, with We rage. all did that night, mate. So we all did. Yeah, yeah, we did, didn't we? Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Moving right on here. Hang on, I'm just turning my sound down a little bit. There we go. Just mainly because my daughter's asleep now. So here we go. Shaney Miller. Is it Shane or Shane Shaney? What do you think, Chich? Cheyenne. Cheyenne Miller, I say, blimey. No, it's it's chain, isn't chain. it? As in chain, chain walk. Chain, that's Chaney walk. Chaney. Well, then maybe he's Chaney. No, I've offered that as, 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 an, as an option. I think. Yeah. Uh, anyway, whoever it is, Mr. Miller, thank you so much for writing in. Hello again. This is my second time writing in, and I'll be a bit more brief for. Uh, for uh, amusing. It's good, you see. He meant that. It's funny. It's funny. It's <laughs> Love good. it. I've been wanting to write this email for almost a month now, but because it was, I feel like a month ago, it feels like a month ago or so, that you were all taking a moment to just appreciate how lucky we are to be fans of Chelsea at a time when Eden Hazard plays for Chelsea. Absolutely. As someone who fell in love with the cleverness of Joe Cole, and that's when I became a Chelsea fan. Now, I wasn't there when we were shit. I was mostly a fixture of, of not you're born or not born yet or in diapers or unable to access English football. Anyway, I digress. The point is, Chidge said something like, if I just knew something I could do to help this man playing for Chelsea, I would do it. Well, here's what you can do. In the borrowed words of the great Chidge himself, sing your fucking cock off, man. <laughs> Next time. I don't think I ever No, I don't that. think you have either. <laughs> You may have, I might have laughed. Yeah, 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 exactly. Next time you're at a match and Hazard is being wonderful, or maybe he's not, or maybe he could use some love, sing your cock off. Next time you're at a match, I don't know why I'm whispering it. Next time you're at a match, home or away, and you start wondering if he'll go to Madrid, capital letters, sing your fucking cock off. Next time it's there, if there's a bit of a lull in the singing at some match, JK, help me out here with some clapping and shouting at the same time. Sing your cock off for Hazard. Even if we learn he's leaving at some point, it's just been a pleasure cheering for him. So we should be singing then too. And if you don't have a cock to sing off, sing your tits off, because because a lot of us can't. But I'm sure as hell would if I could. Up the Chels, Shane or Shaney, Brooklyn, New York. Very good. Yeah, yes, I, yes, indeed, lots of. Um, I can't wait to hear you doing that in the East Middle, mate. I yes, I was about to say, I don't think... I, I wouldn't last that. long, Tridge. I wouldn't last long. No. And in no, fact, as you know... No, you'd be ejected. Indeed, as you, you know, that when we do get a song to sing, um, I, I'd even do it in a, in a very posh voice, deliberately, because I'm the only one singing. You do. So I do it just to slightly look... Say, look at me, I'm being amusing. Ah, 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 Mr. Stewart, because you've got your 
angry face on and you want to take me out. So I will go carefree, whatever you may be. We are the famous tree. Or I'll go... Um, did uh, how, how did Alex cope with not swearing for 90 minutes? Uh, no, she swears in my ear. Yeah, she swears a bit. She's good. She's good. She's good. She, she, she sort of basks in the luxury of it all. Because she said how fantastic at the end of, of, of 90 minutes where we could just wander back in and have a coffee. And uh, and it was cold and sort of you know just have a chat and get some get some more smarties. She liked all of that, so mm. she she liked the luxury of it. And I think she misses the uh, she misses the energy of um, of uh, where she sits, which is she's in the shed, isn't she on the corner right on the, the yeah she, she is. is. Yeah. But, uh, and by she the way, is. can we just point out how completely disgraceful it was that Norwich didn't bring their yes. uh, full complement of supporters? How absolutely. Having, having booked, booked it. it, how absolutely ridiculous it made the atmosphere in the ground. It made it look it shit, did. didn't it? It did. It was absolutely... Yeah, because we haven't mentioned that. It was dreadful. But um, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what's the other thing I do? I sing in falsetto occasionally, just to sort of, sort of show that I want to be singing little bits, but I can't. So I'll go... We're top of the league, 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 we're top of the league. And, and uh, people give me a funny look. Not surprisingly. Anyway, uh, once again, moving on. Uh, this is from Stuart Thomas. Dear Chidge and the Fancast, Firstly, I was very sorry to hear about your recent ill health. Oh. And so I contemplated the thought of <laughs> writing you. an email and the recent few weeks that Sir Jonathan, <laughs> Stuart, had no way of exercising his vast, vivacious vocal talents. I love the alliteration of the Vs there. Um, I would also like to thank each and every one of you for the effort and time you put into making this show happen. And if we're ever short of Skype guests... I would be more than happy to make up the numbers. Mm. Well, I think you'll have to buy you a few beers first, Chidge. I really enjoy the format of the current show. I must admit, although I did enjoy the televised version, if I ever missed the video, it wasn't the same as the audio in the car of the old version. I do have some questions, though. Would there ever be a reunion podcast featuring the likes of Dr. Mart, Chris Norman, Ross Mooring, nothing to be scared of, very clever, and the, and the legendary <laughs> Chell Tell? I also think you should bring back the 60-second fan and songs from the shed. I miss strolling. I very much enjoyed the few times I had a drink with my Uncle Chidge in the malt house before they changed it all. I remember Chidge buying me a lot of rum to celebrate Lord Nelson's birthday. <laughs> Any excuse. And sitting on the sofas at Dr. <laughs> Mark's house and viewing the hilarious rapport between all of the fan casters. Yes. Absolutely. Now for the real business at hand. Oh, there's more. The team. I've really enjoyed the last 18 months with Antonio. I do believe he could be with us for four or five years. I don't believe in dynasties in football anymore in the same way in, in, same way in businesses. We don't have the same people staying in the same jobs for extended periods. This being said, I do believe the appointment of a director of football will be the next important step to maintain whichever club philosophy we try to employ to continue with the longer-term planning for the club. This is what we were talking about earlier. Well, you were, anyway. Yeah. The much-criticised loan system by the media is actually a fantastic achievement that will benefit football in England and globally. The constant barrage of who have Chelsea brought through their academy is quite frankly ridiculous. To play at Chelsea, you must be elite. Within the top 3% of footballers throughout the world, it would be puerile and small-minded to believe that anyone could judge a child, teenager or young adult in the context of the rest of their life stroke playing career. 
We've had lots of good young players move on to other clubs within the Premier League and beyond. Jack Cork, Geoffrey Broomer, Ryan Bertrand and to some degree Scott Sinclair. But as I said before, you must be elite to be a Chelsea first team player. And that makes a massive amount of talent. It takes a massive amount of talent as well as an exceptional level of tenacity and determination to whom I believe Frank Lampard is the epitome. I also believe our academy is well grounded and gives these young individuals a good education to help them pursue their careers for other clubs. I have ranted on long enough. I do not want to strain Jonathan's vocal cords anymore. Oh, 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 Stuart. I wish you all a fantastic new year and hope the team give us the passion on the pitch as we give them from the stands. Win or lose, up the blues. Stuart Thomas. Well done, Stuart. Yeah. Well done, mate. Good stuff. I mean, Stuart's an old mate. I mean, he's been listening, you know, since since the word go. So lovely to hear from him. And, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's a bit like you know, you know, rock and roll bands when they split up. You know, it's really hard to get them back together again. You know, I mean, Martin's on a Zimmer frame these days. Cheltel's disappeared in a puff of smoke. I did see I did see Chris Norman actually in the pub before the first leg of the Arsenal game recently. So there you go. But. You know, we've got our 10th anniversary coming up uh, in April, Stuart, so you never know. You'll see what see what I can do. Be good to, to it'd be good to hear from them again. Couldn't I agree they, with couldn't that. They, couldn't, great email great email, though. Couldn't they do messages? Couldn't they just you play messages in or something? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, but they're not speaking to me anymore. <laughs> ah, I see. Well, they could they could send me messages, couldn't they? Like, and uh, and no, I could play them. I, yeah. I do. St- in fact, we we heard from both Doctor Mar and Cheltel when we were doing that album thing earlier on this week didn't we if you recall yes that, yes that so was, there we go was, so they are still speaking to me i'm lying it was very much twitter, like this twitter yeah we did we did yeah but we didn't hear their voices but it was on twitter that was good fun that album thing that was amusing yeah, amusing stuff twitter exactly. can be very amusing occasionally occasionally complete rubbish you can good can. Anyway, well done chat well done boys and girls fantastic emails oh god wonderful i love it oh brilliant stuff and and well read as always Jonathan you're a delight and it's great fun but thanks thanks as, as Jonathan said we love receiving your emails thank you so much for them we will always try and read them out on the show even if it means we overstay our welcome slumwalk which we have tonight but there you go uh, but make sure you get them into chelseafancast at gmail.com by Sunday night Monday morning at a pinch but preferably Sunday if you could that would be lovely and we'll read them out as I said now uh, unfortunately that's all we've got time for this week uh, we will return on Monday January the 29th at 7 o'clock sharp on Mixler of course and uh, I'll be joined by Jonathan as ever and we've got uh, Ollie Harbord, Oliver Harbord from Football.London and Liam Toomey from ESPN so it's a very journalistic uh, or Stan, Stan Collymore would say journalist journalist so it's a very journalist evening, really. So we'll be Jonathan and I will be firmly put in our place, no doubt. Uh, probably a good time to have them both on because that will be almost the close of the transfer window. So something might have happened by then. Uh, we'll also be reporting back on the Arsenal Carabao match and the Newcastle FA Cup match, of course. And before that, uh, I will be, as ever, recording the Kerry Dixon show uh, with the one and only Kerry Dixon on Thursday. So make sure you download and listen to that. And it will be available on Acast, Apple and SoundCloud at all. Right, you can uh, follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast. Me at Stamford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Clayton at Goalie59 and Joe at Joe Tweedy. And of course, check out the website, ChelseaFancast.com. Many thanks to Gion and the Chelsea Fancast bloggers uh, and for their regular content going up during the week. 
Everything we write gets posted on Twitter and our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. So make sure you check them out, like and retweet them. Okay, it's time to go. Uh, Jonathan, as always, you've been an absolute superstar. Thank you so Love much. Thank you on the show, Chidge, with uh, such excellent guests as well. So, uh, well done, guys. Mm. Brilliant, brilliant mm. show. Mm, they, they've been good they've been good tonight uh, Clayton always lovely to have you on the show uh, and uh, hopefully you and I will catch up for a beer on Sunday very hope so very hope so very soon yes mm. um, yeah really loved it been great um, good to be on with uh, yeah, such all- esteemed company well there you go well thank you mate it's always a pleasure sorry we've overrun a bit and uh, last but by no means least a massive big up to uh, Mr Joe Tweed who, who I miss very much in gate 17 these days you got to let me know when you're coming back for a game mate because I haven't seen you for ages yeah no I, I, I'm trying to get over soon it's just yeah, a little bit uh, kind of bogged down with with project worker uh, yeah where I am at the moment but uh, I'd like to leave with a little bit of trivia Chidge if that's okay with you Oh, you could leave. You, you've earned okay. the right, mate, tonight. You've been fantastic. It's been great having so, you on. So, a question to everyone on Mixler and, and whoever this goes out to. It'd be, it'd be interesting if someone can get us within the first couple of minutes. But as it stands, who is Chelsea's current longest-serving player? And by that, I mean anyone who is currently contracted to the club. Oh, that's hard, because it could be some youth I, player that I, signed I, when I he was about answer, 10. But I can't remember the guy's name. Is that... That's, <laughs> That's very helpful. <laughs> well, that's no bloody and good, is it? Position he plays in. Is he can, yeah. Goalkeeper. Yes. No. Oh, okay. Ah. Go. I'm stumped. Jonathan, what about you? I've got. I've got somebody on Mixler. Nicky Kilduff, Joe. Nicky Kilduff has said Delac. <laughs> No, yeah, that, that's the goalie that uh, that Clayton was singing. It's Matej Dalac, yeah. It's not right. It's right. Uh, it's not him. So come oh, on, then. Oh, Spill the beans. Uh, Thomas Callas, if you all remember him. Thomas Callas. Yeah, Whatever happened to him? Of, uh, so, so end of this summer. So uh, when the season finished, he would have been at Chelsea for eight years. And he's a, he's at Fulham Bloody at the moment. Isn't he? Yeah, played four games for us. <laughs> he played wonderfully oh, against oh, Liverpool yeah. in the. Uh, in the Denver Bar game, he did in the in the Denver Bar goal with Christensen, yeah. and he, he's he's not bad. He's not yeah. a bad player, but he's not anywhere near as good as uh, Christensen. And um, I suspect he will be uh, sold to them or sold somewhere else. But uh, my mate, a Fulham fan, says he's he's good, he, 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 but he's he's you know he's not uh, wonderful. So he hasn't made progress, unfortunately, the kind of progress that would allow him yeah, to yeah. be. To be in the the first team, I think the way it works. Well, there we go. Um, we've got to go, boys. Otherwise, we'll be into a whole new part, and I need to go to bed. Um, but Joe, that's brilliant, uh, brilliant. Uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, trivia. trivia. <laughs> there you go. Brilliant trivia. Brilliant trivia. Yeah, yeah. And none of and we all got nil plan. Actually, do you know what? I, I, just to extend the show even longer, oh. we've got to go. Uh, <laughs> A few years ago, a few years ago, the wonderful Clifford Crivello, the Blue Yank, gave me as a present uh, a Chelsea version of Trivial Pursuits. And I've often wondered how hilarious it would be to kind of having have the longest ever game of Trivial Pursuits. So every week we ask one question on the show. It might take us 10 years to finish the game. I think that'd be quite funny, wouldn't it? Anyway, I'll, I'll leave you to ponder the stupidity of that. Uh, but until then, I'm going to thank Joe uh, and uh, Clayton and Jonathan once again for being brilliant tonight. Uh, you lot in Mixler have been fantastic. The drop-off rate has been 
very good, as in not many of you have dropped off. You may have dropped off to sleep, but you haven't left Mixler, that's for sure. But you've been brilliant. I love seeing you in there. So many familiar faces. Great to see you in there. So there we go. That's it for tonight. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.